with the Potescu Podcast. I am CJ, and with me, as always, is my hetero life mate Rico. What's up, man? Are you doing something dirty? Are you doing something your parents don't know about? Are you breaking the law? Are you breaking the rules? That is hysterical that you chose that out of everything we could you could have picked. Because that is a drop for Radio Airwaves. Really? One, one of our break. Now he the boss took that whole sentence and broke it down. He he shortened it because that's a little bit too long for what I think he likes for the drops. So his is is are you doing something dirty? Are you breaking the rules? And then it comes in talking about the station, like check us out at Radio Airwaves. That COD, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that he there are more. Cl- we have more drops from Pirate Radio than any other thing. It's Makes we have sense. like we have that one. He d- he did a really nice one. I get. I let me just tell you about this because I think you'll appreciate this. It starts with. Um, uh oh god why am i blanking on his name the 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 government guy played by by the director yeah but the yeah so it starts with him going that's the whole point of being the government if you don't like something you simply make it illegal and then immediately it plays bill nye right when when carl gets there and goes spectacular mistake Mm-hmm. So it's like a call and response, even though those are not related in any way. It's fan. It just works out beautifully. I love the drops that we have from them. I use them so much because you know the only, the other one we have very quickly is um, Nick Frost's character. Mm-hmm. I'm how about a tune? I'm sick of the silence, and then it just cuts. Like it, yeah, it's, right. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, hi, bud. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh. you got, dude. You got me. I mean, you and you've been for the audience. Yes, I think I brought this up initially, but you were pretty much on board with doing this group of films. Like you weren't. Oh, yeah. You weren't like this wasn't Fast and the Furious. We were like, all right, dude, I'll do this one for you. <laughs> you know, no, like no, no, I, I, I'm actually looking forward to this. To this. uh theme month that we're that we're doing yeah 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 me too me too i i i think i said to you uh pre-show and i'm not going to get into the details for the audience but i think we missed a golden opportunity but we're still gonna have a good time and it'll be we're, good we're gonna so, have a good time it's gonna yeah. be okay no it's still gonna be fine but i think we missed a golden opportunity neither of us thought of so it's no one's right. fault it's just the way it works so um, so as you guys are going to be fully aware in the next couple weeks or four weeks uh we are going to be discussing movies that deal with music of one plethora or another uh one genre or another yeah and yeah for this particular episode i don't know how to define this one because the other ones are more like straightforward this is what this is the genre is pretty straightforward how would you define this one because i'm thinking it's like the journalistic look of music um no because they're not all journalistic i i understand where you're going with that but it's to me it's 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 more of just like a catch-all of of what remains, really. And we missed one that I think is huge, but it it is it, it is what it is. I it, mm. this is just a what's left, but not in a like they're not as important. They're just not categorically anything. If that makes sense. Sure. 
Uh, but yeah. I, I mean, I think the majority, if not all of these movies are the ones that you were like, no, we need to do this one. And like, because I don't think I picked any of these movies. No, this uh, is the only week of the four where you really, it's, it's not that you didn't have any input, but I came to you with like, here's the list, you know? Right. And I was yeah. like, well, I have thoughts about this one. You're like, no, no, trust me. This one needs to be put in. I'm like, uh, okay, but, well, but I'm here's, I'm going to trust you to drive this fucking, here's the irony in it. Cause I was looking at the rest of the, the rest of the, the, the theme for the next mm-hmm. three. I have like, one out of three, two out of five on the next one, and technically the last one I could give a crap about. Right. Terms- that, that, the, the last one is really one that I, like, I had thrown around, and we and it was more of like, it's going to be a, uh, it's a dissecting episode. Yeah. Some, somehow you wanted to even out the third one, and it didn't even out somehow you got more than i i mean i'm not that upset about well, it. no because we had we had a uh, stuffy the uh tiebreaker she that, she threw in her finals that's true like, that's right, true well. yeah okay i'll give you that you're right oh anyway. anyway either way it's not that important it was more just irony a little peek behind the curtain there so let let me list off for the audience the, the movies we're going to talk about and this this order i'm going to say them in is in no particular order in terms of ranking or favoritism or anything like that these are just the order that i'm going to say them. we're going to do high fidelity almost famous uh that thing you do rock star and then Pirate Radio, as it's known in the U.S., and the boat that rocked, as as far as I know, is where it's known everywhere else. So it's also known the boat that rocked on IMDb. It's right. really weird. You you can't right exactly no same thing when I googled it to get the to get the wiki page. The wiki page is not called Pirate Radio. It's called the boat that rocked. To be fair, the boat that rocked is probably a better title. If I'm really being um. Honest. Well, and the, the the little bit of research I did is that the the reason it got changed is that apparently it got panned pretty hard in the UK for the way the way it was. So the filmmakers pulled it from the theaters, or after it did its run, they didn't pull it, but after it did its run in England, before they brought it to the states, they re-edited it and rebranded it, and that's why it's pirate radio here, which is weird but it is what it is so it is yeah um this is not a franchise obviously these are five independent films so typically we rate rank franchises but i really would like to know how you would rank these if you were gonna do it i i mean i i anticipated that because that's sort of becoming our you know rank them up kind of thing <laughs> yeah uh, well and we still have what's in the box office later but that's beside the point right. you know um so this might be borderline controversial but bear with me okay sure uh number one is high fidelity and that I, was one of the ones that i've that i skipped i i've seen that movie so many times that i didn't need to rewatch it plus i didn't have the time plus i thought i was dying so <laughs> i i actually thought something would have passed that for you i'm not finding that as a negative, I'm just saying I thought something would have passed that, but good. High Fidelity, Pirate Radio, or The Boat That Rocked, Almost Famous, Rockstar, and That Thing You Do. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised on a couple of them. Not like what the fuck level of surprise, but... But it doesn't necessarily mean I hate no. or love any of these movies. No, no, no. Like, we... I, I really enjoy High Fidelity, and I really enjoy Pirate Radio, but I have issues with every single one of these movies. I well, I mean, none of them are perfect. I, I'll be 
first to say yeah. as much as I love them. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll be the first to say that. I I can I tell you the ranking I thought you would have given me before I do mine. Please. I thought you would have gone pirate radio, and we're gonna just call it pirate radio for the audience. So. Right. We understand it's got the two titles. We've acknowledged it. It's pirate radio from now on. <laughs> right. um, I would have gone. I would have. I would have thought pirate radio leapfrogged high fidelity. So for for me, I thought you would have gone pirate high fidelity. I honestly thought you would have liked that thing you do more than you did. And then I would have figured you had almost famous and then rockstar last. I'm surprised rockstar is not your fifth. Because that just feels like a, the movie that's the furthest from anything you would be into. I mean, Rockstar. Well, look. Let me hear your ranking, and then we can we can deep dive this. Right. So, I've really been struggling with this because for years and years, <laughs> no, and, no doubt, I'm sure. And no, well, for years and years and years, High Fidelity was my number one. Sure. Hands down, and I don't just mean of this group. I mean. Period. Number one um, favorite I'm aware. film. Yeah, it's it's one of your tops, and it it still is for sure. Um, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if High Fidelity or if uh, if if see, I'm wondering if Almost Famous passed it at this point because I'm just really? at a different point in my life than I was when sure. High Fidelity was my number one. Um. I still very much feel like I identify with Rob. So I'm going to go, I'm going to (laughs) go. Would you like to wait for the end to do this after we discuss it? No, because I don't think it's going to change my, it's going to make any difference. I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Go from the hip, man. I'm going to go high fidelity, almost famous pirate radio. That thing you do rock star. Okay. All right. That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, fair one. I mean, Ours are not that dissimilar to one another. No, and 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 the big difference between you and I, and I and I and I say this just because I feel obligated. Like you're doing one, two, three, four, five, right? In in mm-hmm. terms of like, t- for me, it's literally one A B C D E. Like none of these, yeah, are are like two through five for me really you know what i mean these are that's how close i am with all of these you know sure and i guess i guess the honorable mention because i don't know when we're ever going to cover it would be empire records which i've never seen so i can't um, i can't say boo about it empire boo. i do think you would like it i do recommend sure. you watch it um it's it's got some actors in it i know you like it's got yeah. a story i think you would like and having spent some time in retail, even though it wasn't a record store or a music store, I think you would you would appreciate the nuances of it. You know what I mean? Well, that is one of the underlying things of why I do like High Fidelity, because I can relate to oh, working sure. in a store of that aspect. Uh, was I as outlandish as Jack Black's character? No. no. Mm, depending on the customer. <laughs> sure. Sure. Like if it was someone that I was really cool with, and like I could kind of let the Rico come out. So to oh speak. yeah, 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 yeah. Like if um, oh the the Pixar guy. Uh, d- yeah, Doug Frankel. If Doug had popped in, probably a little more Rico than somebody else. You know, without his family present, absolutely. Oh well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but sometimes even with his family present, I would just like be like, 
Doug, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, his, and his wife liked you. If I, I've never met her, but from what yeah, you've told she, me, she liked you. So she, she's a they. That whole family's been immensely kind to me. Um, I I told you, but like I did when when my mom died, I did reach out to them to because I was watching Inside Out, mm. and it struck me like that that movie will forever be linked to Nancy because of it's about a young girl who leaves Minnesota where my mom's father was from. So okay. my mom always had this weird connection to Minnesota. Like, just like I have a connection of Austin. Yeah. You know I don't I mean? think you ever told me that about Nancy, but that's fine. Yeah. But, and then it, the, the main character, Riley moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. Right. So it's got this Bay area uh-huh. fish out of water. And it was the first movie that I looked, that I realized my mom was actually a little girl at one point, hmm. you know, it's one of those things where you just look at your mom and, or your dad and you're just like, you were never young. Like, I know <laughs> you told me stories. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like, but like the emotions and the feelings that I had when I was fucking this many, you had the same thing. It was just in a different era. But yeah, and I, I looked get up what you're at my saying. mom and my mom was crying watching this movie. Mm. So, and which made me cry. And it was the first movie that ever made me cry, which I know is sort of unbelievable. But like Inside <laughs> Out was the first movie that made me cry. And I was 23 when this movie came out. There you go. So I reached out to the Frankels and I said, listen, if this is going like if this is overstepping anything, I totally understand. Sure. And I, I'm not looking for a response. I'm not looking for validation. But if you can pass along a message to the director. Right, you did tell me about this. I remember. Yeah. And they were they they were so immensely kind to do that and then weirdly enough the director Pete Doctor wrote back to I me. remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I ruined it by telling him that I was going to someday work for him. But whatever. Well, you know. <laughs> I call I call I ended my email with like your future employee. <laughs> like I was I And then I, and then he never responded he again. Never responded, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean the fact that you respond for the initial thing and and said such kind words. And this is, you know, this is obviously a year ago at this point, but it's Sure. Um so yeah, if Doug Frankel had come came in, I probably would have like thrown out my little Jack Black is yeah, yeah. which is um way, really rare because I was not the biggest Jack Black fan, but I am a huge fan of his character in High Fidelity. Yeah, I for for me I had a mixture of um High Fidelity and Empire because again, I know you haven't seen Empire and though it's called Empire Records, it's more of they sell CDs more than they sell records. You know, whereas Robin Company at Championship Vinyl, I mean, they have CDs, but the bulk of their their stock is vinyl. So, you know, do they judge the guests in Empire Records for buying yeah. it as much as they do, as much as Jack Black does? Um, just one time, they 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 catch a shoplifter, which seems to be oh. a theme, and the shoplifter like stole some really bad shit, and the guy was like, really. Really, really, they have to jail for this shit. Yeah, basically, right. And one of them, one of them, <laughs> I remember one of them is Whitney Houston, and and the guy, he looked at him like, because apparently it was like a bad Whitney Houston album or whatever, and they were like, "Is it from my girlfriend?" And this kid, compared to the shoplifters in High Fidelity, it's like a thirteen-year-old kid who's just shoplifting to shoplift. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, um, so. 
should we start, since you started kind of talking about um, Jack Black, do you want to start with High Fidelity? And... Sure. Yeah, okay. Let's let's uh, let's go with High Fidelity. So High High Fidelity, I, I I need to start with this just for the simple fact that when this movie came out uh, back in two thousand, um, my friends, a bunch of my friends, apparently had seen it mm-hmm. and called me up. Actually, I think they maybe even came over, and they were like, "Dude, you have to see this movie." Right, and I'm it's like, you. "No, no, that's exactly it. They're, it's not just the music. They're like, they made a movie about you. Like, <laughs> like you should sue." <laughs> yeah, almost, almost. Like that's 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 how it was. They were like, they 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 made a part a, a movie about you, and um. And and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh my god, they did!" <laughs> it's one of those movies that absolutely clicks in your life, yeah. and and yeah. that's a rarity in yeah. in terms of and like, it, and, and it still does, despite the fact that I think I jumped it by with almost famous, you know, or did I? I don't remember at this no, point. You had it. I think you had it number one. Did you I? Said okay. I fidelity. Did I stick you with fidelity? Been okay. like, I'm going to choose almost famous, but your your fucking voice said high fidelity. Okay, well, and because it. it I still do identify with Rob. I just identify with different aspects of Rob that I did 22 years ago when the movie came out. You know what sure. I mean? So, um, is this one of those movies that you would potentially read the book? I've read the book. Oh, you did. I have read the book. I own, own and have read the book and not the movie that adaptation. Like I have the OG, I went and found the OG Nick Hornby print of this and thing it, and it's vastly simpler. different no it's vastly different really well in some aspects in some aspects no the 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 concept is the same very much but so it's set, in england. it's set in england um the characters are are quite different um dick for example at least the way he's described it sounds more like normally the guy that comes in and offers um Barry the spot in his band. Yes. Like that's what Dick looks like mm. as described by Nick Hornby. Not not um more what uh Ted Luizo looks like. Or Todd mm-hmm. Luizo, excuse me. Um which also we have a crossover there too. We were talking crossovers before the movie started or the recording started. Yeah, he's in uh, that thing you do. Yep. Briefly, yeah. but he's there. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I, I definitely well, did. You did. like the book? I did. Oh, I did. I I lo- so much so I went and bought about a boy before the movie came out, mm-hmm. and read the book, read that book, and then the movie came out. I was like, oh, I want to see this, and mm-hmm. that's a little closer to the book than than because it's, it's actually in England. Yeah, well, that, that but that definitely helps. Yeah, and then apparently, um, Fever Pitch, I've not read, but. And it that that's again one of those ones where they kept the the um the concept in terms of the love of the sports team, but they changed it to baseball for America. Right. But the title stays the same because a soccer field or a football field in England is called a pitch, so they mm-hmm. were able to keep that. But I will say for all three of these films, and specifically for um, High Fidelity, Nick Hornby was. N- uh, not just in a, a producer in name, like he was very much involved in the putting it together. I know mm-hmm. that for a fact. So he he approved all those 
all the changes that do occur. Like their their horn be approved for what that for what that's worth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, Cusack wrote the story. I think someone else did the screenplay, but Cusack wrote the story, and he's a huge fan of the book. So, um, you know, I, from my understanding is he ran a lot of that past him. Like, it's not like they wrote the thing and then started shooting and that's when Nick Hornby got involved. Like, he ran it past him before they got to the, even, like, the screenplay portion, you know. Mm-hmm. So he was very involved in, in this. So so that in mind, I, 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 can, I can ignore or accept the differences between the two, sure. you know, and it's, it works for me, so. Sorry, I was a little more long-winded than I think you wanted. No, 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 no. I mean, it's I. I asked the question, so I, I'm. I'm just glad you read a book. <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, I actually, I actually uh, remember when I was watching it because I did, I did rewatch. I, I probably could have done all five of these from memory without really needing to, but I still watched them because hey, some of them I haven't watched in a while. I haven't watched Life sure. in a number of years now, for no other reason except I just didn't. But um, I do remember <laughs> watching High Fidelity going, this time I'll get to do that in the book. Um, that'll that'll yeah. that'll be good to be me. I don't know how much of the book I remember beyond uh Dick looking not being described the same. Uh I don't believe there's a Marie de Salle. Or I think well, it's a it is, it's different name. It's a very it's a very different character, yeah. It's so, just Bridget Jones. Yeah, no, I don't think it's Bridget Jones, but I get the point you're making. Yeah, you know, like all the characters, just, just completely like fucking super English name. It's just yeah, and and it's all that Emily way. Grant. Like, like I don't know how much, how many of the characters stay the same. Like I feel, I feel like Charlie Nicholson's not Charlie. I feel like it's something else off the top of my head. I don't have the book. Someone stole my copy of the book, so I don't have that copy anymore. What a douche nozzle. Well, they didn't steal. Let me rephrase. They didn't steal. I lent it to them to read, and then they quit the job we were working at together, and then I never saw them again to get the book back. So, that's, so they they stole it, but you helped them. Right. You, you, you yeah. unwittingly fucking let them steal your shit. Basically, yeah. yeah. And now they live out in your neck of the woods. Not, I'm Southern, but still. Ah, okay. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I, that'll be that'll be that that'll be me being a like way too good of a friend. I just like go to someone's stranger's house and be like, "Hey, give my book back! Give, give that my friend!" I, I actually I actually still talk to him on Facebook from time to time. So I'm sure if I actually messaged him and said, "You stole my book," and if he did, he'd probably send it to me. Like he strikes me as someone who would do that. But I just <laughs> well, it's on the recording now. You, I, I want to hear the end of this fucking like, story. <laughs> like next episode, you, you'd be like. Yeah, I hit him up. He said, "Fuck you. What book? Go fuck yourself." <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I I love this story. I identify with Rob so so much. I really truly do. Um, I think that's the point. I think anybody who is a casual, even just a casual music fan, who also had relationships, whether they're heterosexual or homosexual, sure, sure. Anybody. This is supposed to be the thing where anybody can relate. Because he he kind of goes through like the majority of the of the deadly sins in this entire movie. No, that's true. But I mean, I'll, I'll take it more granular. Like I was working. I mean, yes, it was CDs and not vinyl. But I was working in a music store when right. I saw that. You know, when I saw this, I um, I was working in a music store. I used to do top. I mean, top five lists are not 
those are things that I used to do. Like that's right. not you know, and mixtapes. Like the thing he talks about, like there's a subtle art to making a mixtape. You got to start them off high and then you got to take it up a notch, but you don't want to blow your wad. So you got to cool it down a notch. And those are the, like, that's the mentality I always had making mixtapes. Like, and I have made, I mean, not in years now, but you know, for a long time I made mixtapes and mix CDs all the time. And that was kind of the mentality I shared. And it was not from the movie. Like I had that thought, like when he said it on screen, I was like, yes, yes, that's yeah. right. You know, so I, I, I get it, you know, but you're right from a, from a more global perspective. If you, if you have a passion for music and you've had relationships, it, this is, it's, it's meant to to make you understand, you know, to, to be able to relate to the character. Everybody has, well, I mean, usually everybody has experienced a bad breakup. Uh, sure. This guy has experienced, see, here's the thing. My opinion of Rob, and this is not oh, most too, people don't like him, <laughs> but it, 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 and because you so identify with it, it's not meant to be insulting. Oh, yeah, I, I realize so, that, yeah. But he kind of does everything wrong, and it just sort of works out for him in the end. Yeah, it's he's incredibly fucking lucky. Let's put it this way, <laughs> um, like even to the point where, like, towards the end, he is like about to philander. With someone else, Caroline Ford, and you're is, like, God yeah. damn it, Rob! Like, did you not watch your fucking movie? Well, but that's the thing. Like, you you're not wrong, but he also has that. If you remember, right after that initially starts, because you're you're not wrong. I can't argue that. Like he he starts talking to Caroline Fortis. That's the character, the mm. the writer for the reader, and. You know, like he's clearly flirting with her, and and God knows what's going through his head. And you hear, um, you hear Barry off in the distance go, you know, Rob, phone call, and he goes take a message. And she goes, "It's your girlfriend," and he has that moment of like, "Oh fuck," you know what I mean? But then, yeah, and then he's he's talking to her during the interview, and he's like, "I'll make you a tape," and he starts to make the tape. And if you remember a couple tracks in he's like when is this gonna stop like this is this is the fourth wall break this is the first time i remember ever seeing fourth wall breaking by the way i feel like that's important Mm -hmm. to talk about but it's very different than a a jump street like we did last episode or or even a deadpool this is this is almost making you feel like you're taking the journey with rob you know what i mean and and well, the best way to, to explain it is like High Fidelity is the mixtape that Rob gave us that we didn't know we were having. We are <laughs> okay. we are watching a mixtape, if anything. It just happens to be that every track is about a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's be honest. Most songs are usually about a. It's usually about sex or love or breakup. It's usually one of those three or all uh, three. And and I've done the top five worst breakups, and I actually took the Rob the Rob Gordon school of thought and went back and did the, the hunt them down. Yeah. And, and I had about as much success with it as he did, you know, you know, I'm just going to say it out there. It's, it's not a good idea. No, you you know, if, if it was something that you did in the relationship and you want to apologize for, that's different. Sure. But if you, if you're going back to all your fucking exes and you're just like, Hey, why didn't we work out? Expect 
them to tell you what you did wrong because right. no, now before sure. they were being nice now they're like well fuck you dude like yeah, you cheated yeah, yeah, on yeah. me and you you were lazy you didn't fucking you you slept on my couch you know you wouldn't leave whatever the fuck the reasoning is what you you expect it my favorite was allison ashmore from the movie allison ashmore was absolutely my favorite of the of the five what was she? Allison Ashmore was the one who was kissing Kevin Bannister on the bench. That's oh, the, the OG, the one that the, started all. The one that started all. But he calls, he calls, and the mom picks up, and he says, "Yeah, I was her first boyfriend." And she's like, "No, I'm sorry, I don't mean to quibble with you, but she, Allison, married her first boyfriend, mm-hmm. Kevin Bannister." And he goes back and forth with the mom a little bit about he was first, whatever. Which, yes, another bad idea, Rob. Whatever, right? But they, she hangs up on him essentially, and he just stops and he looks at the camera for a second. And he goes, "Allison, marry Kevin. I'm fine now." <laughs> <laughs> and I just looted like he's like, "It's not me. This is done. This is destined." That's <laughs> I, I love it. It just he- cracks me up. I mean, again, he is immensely lucky that he has had the relationships with the varying women that he has had. Sure. Because they're all radically different from one another. Oh, without question. Yeah. Yeah. They really are different genres of music. You know? Oh, yeah. He's he's like, I'm with the punk rock phase. Now I'm with the fucking, I mean, I'm with my kind of European classical phase. And oh, shit. Like, this (laughs) is... This is straight up metal. And oh, this is kind of like Leonard Cohen flowery child type of shit. <laughs> okay. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. think I've gone through those phases myself, but like the majority of my relationships have always been kind of like subgenres of one another. Sure. Um I'm sure mine have too in some to some degree. I'm sure. Uh but it, I I because I didn't watch this this time, but I, I showed it to Steph, I think, like six months ago. Oh, I love this and... movie. Yeah, I, I, I wish I had been. If, if, if I had known she hadn't seen it, I would have pushed for us to watch it when I was there. But that's beside the point. Well, she didn't like it. <laughs> of course she didn't like it. I, I think she I, I think specifically she didn't like Rob. I, and Rob, it, Rob is not a likable character, especially for females. And I don't mean that as a, a derogatory thing. It's just. He's not likable if you're a woman. Yeah. He's he's really not that likable if you're trying to fucking be a good guy, too. Um like, he he I mean the best lesson to learn from that is just don't do what he does. I but here's the thing about Rob. I think I think see we've seen other characters that are just flat out assholes, especially mm-hmm. to women, right? Like Rob Rob is not an asshole. He's he's a little inept. Maybe a little stupid, but not an like like when when um I'm trying to find a character's name, but when Joan Cusack comes running into the store, the Liz when Liz comes into the store the one time and goes, "Hey Rob, you fucking asshole," and then just storms out of the store, and then he goes into the backstory about why she calls him a fucking asshole. If you look at it from both sides of the story, meaning Laura's and Rob's, you can kind of see both ways on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if she offered him, like, one of the, the one that irks me the most is the money. 
Because the way they tell the story, she she knew he needed it and offered it to him. And it looks like in the flashback that he showed that he's almost saying, no, I, I don't really want it at first. You know, like he does. He's reluctantly taking it, you know. Yeah. And then he, he, he brings up a point when he's telling the audience, he goes, just because Laura moves in with some super tramp fan doesn't make me three grand richer. He's right. It, it doesn't make him three grand richer just because, you know. Now, should he have paid more of it back up to this point? Yes, I won't disagree with that. But I don't think that is, like, a, a reason it should be on that list, you know. Sure, but, I mean, it's it's a good chunk of change. It's no, no small it, um, loan. No, but, again, she... It, it, she did it, but, you know, that's also the prerequisite, like, hey, we're still we're going to be together. It's not like I mean, he also did other shit. No. The, the whole point of that is we as the audience being led by Rob is to believe, oh, she's just a bitch. No, she I, fucking did all this. And then she I, cheated on him with fucking Ian, that fucking Ian guy. Yeah. I, I now we're understanding. Oh no, he is kind of an asshole. Like he kind is, does he deserve heartbreak? No, but he definitely deserves a a, confront, a confrontation. No, and 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 I'm not saying it, that I never looked at it like she, you know, like you're, you're the, the the that she was the villain here. Like I I've never viewed it that way. E- even on my first viewing, like I was never like, oh that Laura, oh she's terrible. Like you know, Rob's Rob's mistakes were right on front street as far as i was concerned you know what i mean until i mean they weren't until that big you know reveal where he explains but i never got that vibe like i just got that vibe like that laurie even kind of says it like it just wasn't working anymore it was time to end and move on yet you find out about ian and yes you know but but she even says in her when she's finally explaining it to him, like it went further than it should have. Like she admits mm. she did it, but she's also regretful about it. She's not like, oh, I just went and fucked this dude and I'm happy about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I have to touch on Tim Robbins for a second. He has got the shittiest wig I've ever That's seen. That's the, the first only, time he... I ever saw Tim Robbins. Really? I think so. I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 definitely plausible because I think I've only seen it's not like I'm actively going out for Tim Robbins's fucking filmography, but sure. like I happen to be like, oh, he's in this. Like Shawshank, I didn't yeah. give a fuck who was in that. I just heard I had to see it. Right, right, right. And then he shows up randomly in like Tenacious D <laughs> because apparently he and Jack Black and Cusack are all like good buddies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm sorry the. It works for his character. This, this, what, whatever d- douche nozzle he is, because he is like, <laughs> he is. If, if being a vegan meant being a villain, this guy would be it. I, 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 I um, I do love to say vegans are villains or villains are vegans. No, 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 no. This dude is clearly a vegan and he's clearly a villain. Yeah, he's, he's, he's both, not because one of the other. He's just both. Yeah. But I, I, I do, again, a great line from the movie is, like, Laura comes to get the last of her stuff, and Rob comes home from work, and she's already there. And they're talking about some other stuff that maybe we'll touch on, but it's not relevant to this part. And he goes, um, I think he says, how's things with Ian? And then he's like, or is it Ray? What, what do you call him? And she goes, Ray, I fucking hate Ian. He goes, so do I. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> you know? It's, or I hate him too, I think, is the line. But it's yeah. still like, yeah. 
the dialogue, even if you don't like John Cusack or oh, even, I love, yeah, I'm a huge Cusack fan, but God, I, I know. But like the dialogue really is, is snappy. Very. And, yeah. yeah. And in your face. And I mean, it, it is, it is, I like the film and I, whenever I watch movies for pot or whether I'm just watching them for with Stephanie, Mm. I'm always fascinated by different opinions, even if I don't necessarily agree with them. And high fidelity is, is one of those movies where like, I absolutely like when Steph and I watched it, she was like, I totally understand why CJ loves this movie. (laughs) But she's like, I also don't like this movie. Like, and again, I don't think it was because, I mean, Steph is one of those people that, like, if there's not a character that she can identify with, sure. she's not going to enjoy it. Yeah, and Laura's not someone she would identify with either, I'm sure of it, you know. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, who the fuck am I supposed to identify with? Fucking Todd? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Dick, really? Dick, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, there are plenty of great scenes that I fully enjoy. Like, I, I thoroughly enjoy Jack Black doing fucking... Uh, Let's get it on. I mean, yeah, this is I, one of the first movies to really showcase him as a vocalist. Oh, I, I think Tenacious D becomes Tenacious D a direct result of this film. I've said that multiple times over the years. I, I think that he possibly doesn't get Tenacious D to the level that it gets to if it's not for this movie, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the few Jack Black films that I actually really kind of enjoy. And right. and yes, he still annoys me a few times throughout yeah. the film, but not to the level that he does in other films that I've seen him in. So I can I can and also you've got you've got Dick and Rob kind of like countering that a little bit, so it it, it works out for me, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question, and this might be impossible for you to answer. And if that if that's the case, then so be it. And I'm not going to be upset about it. I want you to try, and I know you didn't watch it so recent, like for this, but you said you've seen it enough. Can you guess if you had to pick one scene to be my absolute favorite? What what do you think it would be if you had to pick? I think the part where he, I mean, my instinct tells me when he is jabbing like a boxer to we are the champions is pretty that's good but no that's it's not it's okay so yeah i would probably i mean i'm gonna take a stab in the dark but it's it's maybe something to do with like the argument where he's trying to use evil dead as a reference no but that didn't make me think of you just because of the conversation we had recently but no yeah, I I, no. I I I can't. It, it's when he first sees Marie DeSalle, mm-hmm. and and it's it, they're at Lounge Axe. It's him and Barry and Dick, and, and and Barry starts it off. He's like, "I want to date a musician. I want to date a musician." And then they start finishing each other's sentences over his and Rob's Rob, like, "I want to live with a musician." And they talk about the joke in the liner notes, and maybe a picture of me. Like that whole sequence of them just kind of like finishing each other's sentences to complete one line of dialogue, I think it's hysterical. That that, and I, the irony is, I've had that same dream for forty two now, so thirty years. You know, you want to you want to date a musician? I absolutely would love to date a musician. If I was if I was dating and or and in Rob's words, living with a musician, yeah, I would love that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know. 
can't help you with that. No, I realize that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So yeah, that that is probably one of my favorite. I I do love this movie quite a bit. I I when I was trying to rank this even before coming into this, like when I was watching through the movies, I'm like, all right, let's see if High Fidelity is still number one. And I'm like, I, like I kept going back and forth even through the movie. I'm like, yeah, kind of, <laughs> you know. So. I don't blame you. I I thoroughly enjoy the movie. I have not had that curiosity of watching the show. I've heard. I didn't know it existed until today. So um, I and really, yeah, and it only had one season. It's on Hulu. So I think I am gonna. It got canceled already. It's it's definitely canceled. So um, and it's only one season. So I think I'm gonna give it a a chance since it's on Hulu. But well, what is interesting is that. Uh, Lisa Bonet's daughter Zoe Kravitz is playing the central main character. Is that it? Look, I thought that was her. Look like her. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fucking you know it's it's Catwoman no, as fine. as the main character. So it's it's a gender flip, which is which I would find that fascinating to find like the woman's point of view. Like if, if the movie is exactly like the show and vice versa, and it's. It's someone explaining their fucking like relationships through music, essentially, and and compare and contrast. I'd be fascinated to see the woman's perspective, especially a young modern day millennial woman. Do you like the fact that the character is still named Rob? It's not Rob Gordon. It's Rob. I think it was Rob Erickson. No, it's well. I don't know. It just says Rob on the the description. So I mean, look, man, I, I, I. I live in the Bay Area. Nothing really phases me. I'm at this not. Point. I'm not. I'm not even like. It's not even like. I'm like. Oh, how dare they make it a woman or use a man's name? I just think it doesn't sound right. On a you know, I, unless I, I, I'm glad they're keeping it like as Rob, possibly short for Robin, as opposed to like changing to like Reba. No, I, it, I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah. So I, I, I'll be curious to see. You know, I, I almost would have preferred if they'd called her Laura though. You know what I mean? And like completely do a flip on the thing. You know, I don't know. I'll have to see well, it before I really say, but before I even looked at it, I was I was under the impression that it could have been like a prequel about Marita Sal based on the fact that Zoe that Gravis fighting, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I would have also been kind of all for. But yeah, you know. a, Mar- a Marita Sal backstory, I'd be down for that. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um I I, I was just gonna say I've also used uh a line from them when he first meets her pretty frequently even if it doesn't relate just because it cracks me up because he starts to walk in and she sing, she's doing a peter frampton cover mm-hmm. and he stops he backs up he goes to the doorman he goes is that peter fucking frampton and the guy just nods and he looks like ugh, and then walks in and then he lays eyes on her for the first time and he goes i always used to hate that song and they're both dick and very like yeah now I kind of <laughs> like it. Yeah. You know, so. It's, I I thoroughly enjoy it. And the chemistry of the those... three of them worked really well, you know. Oh, yeah. And I think, I mean, I've, uh, I like John Cusack. I wouldn't call him one of my favorite actors, but he oh. is one of those actors that I've always, he, uh, what I like is that I've seen um, footage of alternate takes of movies that he's done. And pound for pound, he always does an alternate take. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the movie, whatever the role is, he always puts a different inflection, a different cadence. Like, 
did when we did the Stephen King deep dive, did you watch 1408? I don't remember if that was on. No, I don't think our... it, I don't I don't think so. No, you might like it because, yeah, it's a ghost kind of movie, but it's all about how his character is a debunker of haunted houses. Yeah, that does sound interesting already. You've already sold me on it just based on that. Yeah. And he get, he basically anonymously gets invited to this hotel room, room 1408, which mathematically spells out to 13. And it has a whole history where like the like Samuel Jackson plays the um the hotel manager and he tries so much to like not let him do it. Like, he's just like, dude, I will give you this $2,000 bottle of brandy. Uh, you know, just don't, he's just like, look, what do you, why are you trying to fucking convince me not to? He's like, listen, it is an evil fucking room. Gotcha. And it's not scary, but it's definitely one of the better adaptations. And I think it falls no, that's solely that... on, on Cusack because Cusack is virtually by himself. The majority of the film. I no, that, that sounds interesting. I I saw his interpretation on Ed, Edgar Allan Poe, The Raven. Oh, The Raven, yeah. Yeah, and I dug that. And he's actually in another movie. I think he's in the movie. I have to look now. Damn it, that's gonna bother me. Uh, I'm pretty sure because it's him and and Lily Tomlin or not Tomlin Thomas is that her name? Lily Taylor and mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta. Uh, The Haunting. Um. I, don't I think know I've he's... seen The Haunting. It's been a it's, long it's... time. Yeah. Um, if, it's, if it's the one that I'm thinking of. They're in this old house. Well, I, think Lil- I think Lily Taylor and Catherine Zeta-Jones were also... No, I don't think John Cusack's in that. Because I think no. there was a movie called... I know they were in a movie. I just don't think Cusack is in that flick. No, you're right. I think you're right. I'm looking at the IMDb now. It, it's, it's... it's Owen Wilson. Liam Neeson, I knew. But it's Owen Wilson, Bruce Dern, those two... I always got that movie, The Haunting, confused with House on Haunted Hill because they kind of yes. came out roughly around the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, Jesus, another haunted movie. Um, you, I'm assuming you've seen Gross Point Blank. Once. One time. Oh, yeah. That's that's definitely... I, I It's a radically different film than, than High Fidelity, but I rank that pretty high with High Fidelity. So my believe opinion. it or not, I, I was not a huge fan of Say Anything. I've seen it. I I I thought it was seen. I thought it was fine, but everyone like raves about it, and I think it's mainly because of the the Peter Gabriel scene that everybody fucking knows. I'm sure you even know it. You I, know? Yeah, I know it. I just I've never seen say anything. It, it's it's okay. It's just okay. Like it's not. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's it's not. You know what it is? It's one of those movies that did not live up to the hype for me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's been hyped up so much for so many years, it just didn't live up to it. I'm sure I'll probably have like a similar reaction to like when I did like watched all those John Hughes movies for this. So when we did Hughes on first, we're like, you people expect me like, you're going to love pretty and peak. I'm like, it was fine. Yeah. Was okay. I mean, well, and the same thing happened to me. I don't want to get off completely, but the, the boondock scenes, I had the same reaction for me. Like everyone hyped the crap out of that film. And when I finally saw it, I was like, Oh, okay. You know? Uh, yeah. I, I, I think that that requires maybe one or two viewings. You either really love it or you really just don't. I don't, but I don't. Ironically hate enough, it. that's one of those movies that like Steph fucking loves. I'm just, I'm just would indifferent. Not be in her yeah. wheelhouse if you really thought about her. I'm just, yeah, bro, that's true. I, I'm just kind of indifferent to it, really. But that's a different sure. conversation. Um, all right, I, I, I started this off with high fidelity. Do you want to pick our next, our next spot here? I don't care. Um, I mean, do you want to do it? 
I mean, how do you, I have it ranked with high fidelity than pirate radio. Let's we can, do, we can go the way I have it ranked or we can go the, how the way you have it ranked. We'll just go back and forth. Let's do pirate right now. I'm fine with pirate. You know, all right. I know our rankings, not the same, but we'll get it. We'll get them all taken care of one way or the other. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 especially in my, in my world now with what I do every Thursday and Saturday with, with, the the radio show and especially the fact that it almost is a pirate radio station because it's internet based and Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know the the legal laws over there i i trust that the boss is doing what he's supposed to be doing obviously nobody's come and shut him down in 13 years so i'm assuming you know because that's how long he's been doing this he's had that station for a long time now um you know so i'm assuming everything's on the up and up there i'm not worried about that but it yeah, man, I I get to go on the air, play what I want, and and I even get to say what I want compared to what they because even 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 um even the count got shut down eventually, you know, mm. like he um went when he wanted to do uh you know say fuck for the first time on British radio, and Quentin was like no, <laughs> but then it made an even funnier scene. Oh, yeah. That 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 worked so goddamn well. Oh, it did. It did. Yeah. And I'm a you might know this, but I'm a pretty big Richard Curtis fan. The writer and director. Oh, yeah. Um going all the way back to Black Adder. He's the guy who yeah. helped co-create Black Adder. And then like Black Adder, I've I've talked about Black Adder so much, but like mm-hmm. it it like the the second series on a Black Adder, scream Richard Curtis. It screams high fidelity, not high fidelity. Uh, pirate radio. Um, it screams uh, four weddings and a funeral. Love actually. Notting Hill. Uh, even that uh, that re- uh, that recent flick uh, yesterday. Okay, yeah, of the ones you've listed, I've seen all but two. I've never seen Notting Hill, and I haven't seen yesterday. Notting Hill is is. Is entertaining if you like British. I do. Rick Curtis. I, I, yeah, I, I love Four Weddings. Four Weddings is one of my favorites. I love that movie. Four, ironically enough, Four Weddings and a Funeral is like one of the lowest on my score. Like, <laughs> I, course, I liked yeah. it. It's not, it's not, I'm not trying to be like, oh, well, because you like it. Fuck no, that I, movie. I realize that. Thank it's you. It's just that I, I think it was the, the thing that we were talking about with like Say Anything or Hughes. It was just sure. like, I expected it to be so much. And I now I just look at him like, okay, well, it was kind of like it 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 was a good first attempt because even he even Richard Curtis said, I made the same movie with Notting Hill. Mm. And not I think Notting Hill just happens to be executed better. Um Hugh Grant is a little bit more comfortable in the role that he plays. Sure. Which is ironic because he fucking hated that on screen persona of himself that he helped like cultivate. On Notting or on in every fucking romantic comedy movie oh. you've ever seen, yeah, with the exception of about a boy, Hugh Grant has been like, oh, I fucking hated having to be that guy. He, he's a flaming asshole in in about a boy for like what eighty five percent of the film. I mean, like, yeah, like, and he even said that was the closest to his own personality, which I'm like, holy shit, Hugh Grant he, is a dick, right? Well, I, but, mean, I said the same thing about Sam Jackson when we talked about Die Hard, even though the audience didn't hear it when he said that it was. Zeus was close to him, you right. know. Save it for the recordings, buddy. Save it for I, the recordings. I know, but anyway, go ahead. But uh, 
you if you want a role of Hugh Grant that is completely different than anything you've ever seen him in, there's a movie that just came out a couple like I think last year called The Gentleman. Okay. It's a Guy Ritchie film. It's it's Matthew McConaughey as an American who's like the lead kingpin of marijuana in England. And Colin Farrell plays what you would expect Colin Farrell to play, just like yeah. an Irish fucking thug. He's really good at it. But Hugh Grant is the complete surprise because Hugh Grant kind of looks like Hugh Grant, but he doesn't sound like Hugh Grant. It is the most like working class Hello, what are you gonna do? Let me tell you what's going on. Like, what the fuck, Hugh Grant? Like, you don't he, he sound. Tur- he he turned into Jason Statham because you just went. You just did your Statham. It's like Jason Statham's not in this movie, and Jason Statham is in like almost every Guy Ritchie film, and it literally is like, all right, I, I, I Hugh Grant, I need you to basically play Jason Statham because he's unavailable. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna punch you in the face. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna kick you on the face. <laughs> I'm gonna but stab I... you. Yeah. You you know that Jason Statham nor Hugh Grant are in Pirate Radio though, so we probably should get back to the boat, because um, we have other movies to we still have some other movies to get to. But but I'm telling you, Hugh, you should see that no, just yeah, for yeah. Hugh Grant's performance. I think it's on HBO. I'll, I'll I'll look. Yeah, I got a I got a I got something else to watch tonight, but I'll get to it. But you're right. Pirate Radio or The Boat That Rocked, however you want to look at it. Pirate I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, I yeah. This is one of those movies that you really pushed early in our friendship. Yeah. You're like, and, you've never seen that? You fucking should see it. And and it took you literally fucking coming out here. <laughs> right. And bringing, and bringing you a copy. I mean, here, motherfucker. Like, here, I'm giving you a copy of this movie. And you legit said, like, there's not going to be, like, hey, what should we watch tonight? I found it. I brought it. We're watching <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. I think I think I said that the second night, because the first night we we played with your PlayStation and just, we did, I think we did a get vocal that night, too, the first night. But, yeah. So weird. This is, like, exactly one year ago. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, even, I think I even said that to Steph, because I watched Pirate Radio last night. I'm like, you know what's really fucked up? is I'm 90% sure I was doing exactly this. Exactly one year ago. Actually, I think it's two days from now. It would be a year ago. It was, it was a couple days. It after. was a day. It was a day after your birthday. Uh, okay. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I was I was off by three days. Yeah, not by much. Yeah. So. No, I I I thoroughly enjoyed the cast. I was that afraid. Said, I I will tell you, I was afraid because it it was either going to be oh I like what we got or it was going to be like oh well that was a waste of time you know like. I, I, that being said, I, I do have, there, there are, there's, sure. there's that scene where fucking the, they're, they're basically about to commit a fucking form of sexual assault. Luckily it doesn't work out that way, yeah. but that is really one of those scenes. Where I'm like, Oh God, Richard Curtis, why did you write this scene? Um, I, I know it's to show that men in the sixties didn't give a fuck. I, I think I think you're looking at I mean, those are all valid points. I don't think you're looking at it the right way. I mean, yes, the, the ultimate what almost happened is what almost happened. I'm not arguing that. But what I'm saying is that I think I think a couple things work against your concern with that scene. Number one, while he quasi almost goes through 
goes through with it. And I say that because it gets fouled up by the woman. But Carl was like, no, I, I really don't want to do this. He, he, It's not like when, when you know, Dr. Dave brought this to him. He was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, he, he resisted all the way through. You know what I mean? He he was not feeling this plan at all. You know, he was not feeling the plan, but he still was going along with it. He's the I, guy who's like, I don't want to be the getaway driver in this in this bank robbery, but hurry up, let's do this. But he's also, yeah, I also feel like it was a peer pressure thing. He's seventeen, like he's like he's seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, when he's on the boat. I, listen, I'm not absolving him necessarily, but I I want him. I think it's important to point out that, like, this is not, like, two guys conspiring to, like, you know, to do this. But it still kind of is. I mean, it is peer pressure, but, like, look, thank fuck it didn't happen because I don't know what that next scene would have been. Yeah. Where, like, because because I had completely forgotten about that scene. But that also, that, that that type of shit happens in, like, Almost Famous as well. Like, it's just sort of one of those things where it's, like, you can't help but be, like, it's it's a little reversal. Oh, with the the yeah. Well, I that that feels less so than what you're referring to. Well, but. my point is that when it comes to like rock and roll, apparently like consent is kind of negotiable. Uh, I I would argue there's more consent in Almost Famous than there is in Pirate Radio. Sure. But, um, but and and I understand that it's a completely different time and and everything. But it's 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 not my favorite scene of Pirate Radio. It, it, it really no, is kind it, of like, it's not. It's certainly not the best scene for sure. I no. I can't. I won't argue that. You know. Um, and that's really my only big gripe about the whole thing. And that's that a, that's like, a fair. It, it's it's easily a sequence that could have been left it out and and it wouldn't have affected the film really in any way i don't think you know so it it really was not necessary yeah it's it's one of those things where i'm like uh uh, okay okay um, richard stop it yeah i i i loved uh philip seymour hoffman as a count so steph pointed out because i i am a you and i are both we both praised Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he was one of those guys where I was like, I'm so fucking sad he's dead. Yeah. Although, like he, that was, really, he was no saint in real life, let's be real about that. He but, was you not know. a saint in real life, but he, but he, it, it, it seems like he struggled with his own demons. He wasn't, like, causing yes. controversy no, with I, 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 Yes, I agree with all of that. Yeah, he was not projecting onto others in any capacity. Yeah. And I'm praising him last night. Steph's like, well, I mean... Uh, he's always the dick in every fucking movie. He's always a prick. And I'm like, well, that's not true. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Oh shit. You're probably right. And I'm like literally going through his entire filmography and literally 95% of his fucking roles. He's usually a prick of some varying degree. I I don't know if I agree. Um, Uh, Okay. I mean, there are some where he's not for sure, but he's, he's essentially a dick. Like, like I'll I, go through the filmography again. I, Going all the way back to like scent of a woman. No, he's, he's a definitely a dick. Th- no, he's definitely a dick prick there. Yeah, but I go right to Twister and think about Dusty. I don't think Dusty is at all. You know, okay. He's very. I he's, that up. He's very wound up. He's very ADHD. That kind of thing. But I wouldn't go as far as to call him a prick. 
So I brought that up to Steph. I was like, it's been forever since I've seen Twister. So is he a dick in Twister? She's like, oh, it's been forever since I've seen that. So I don't have an answer. I'm like, let's just assume he's not a dick in that. But let's, so there's one where he's not a dick. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I don't think Lester Bangs is a dick. I, I. In, oh, um, well, in Almost Famous? Yeah. Well, he's, here's how I clarify him. He's not a dick because he is being a mentor. But he absolutely sounds like he's being a dick. So he's rough around the edges. And if the kid was like easily offended, he would have been like, this guy's totally a dick. So it's kind of, he's not a dick, but he's kind of a dick. Uh, Boogie Nights, not a dick. I didn't see it, so I can't speak to that one. Yeah. I like Boogie Nights, especially based on this conversation, because it's 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 like the porno version of Rockstar. Sure. And, I, no, like, I've heard good things. I've just never seen it. Yeah. It's took a rock star and almost famous and made about porn. It's it's virtually the same. <laughs> okay. Um, the Big Lebowski is one of the very few where I'm like, he's absolutely not a dick. Works for a dick. The biggest fucking dick. I I. It's been so long since I've seen them. I do need to watch it again. Yeah. But he plays the assistant to the Big Lebowski, and he's just like, oh hello, it's so nice to see you. But like, he's a dick in Patch Adams. Didn't see that. Oh, uh, I, it's been forever since I've seen Magnolia, so I don't, I can't give a I proper, see that. Yeah. he is a dick in the talented Mr. Ripley, and he's one of the few, you're like, yeah, you better die. Didn't see um, that. He is a complete dick in Punch Drunk Love, but he's amazing that. in it. I only saw it once. Complete prick in Red Dragon. Never saw it. Uh, he is not a prick in 25th Hour, but he plays the role well. Never saw uh, it. He is a prick and along came Polly, but he learns a lesson at the end of it. I've seen that, but I don't remember it. Yeah. Not a dick in Capote because he's playing somebody else. Although some people might argue that Truman Capote may have been a dick. True. Absolutely a total fucking prick in Mission Impossible 3. Well, but he's I love the villain. The yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, absolutely a prick. Charlie Wilson's War, 1000% a prick. But less of a prick than Tom Hanks' character, <laughs> and the only person I can ever conceivably say can tell Tom Hanks to shut the fuck up, and Tom Hanks will shut the fuck up. <laughs> and now that he's dead, no one will be able to tell Tom Hanks to shut the <laughs> fuck up ever again. Okay, uh, the invention of lying—not a prick. He's he's just a lovable fucking bartender. Moneyball. I I will throw that to you. Is he a prick in Moneyball? Yeah, he kind of okay. is. Okay, yeah. the master. He is the master of being a prick in the movie The Master because it's all about like Scientology cult bullshit. Mm. It's all manipulation. Uh, okay, this this is how his career ends. He died in the middle of filming Hunger Games fucking part one of Mockingjay or part two. He is perceived as a villain but you realize it's all an act that he was actually pretending to be a prick to fucking help Katniss fucking underneath. Okay. So, unfortunately, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman was like the fucking method prick actor, but it's okay because he was so good at it. And and it's obviously acting, but I, the, the, here, it, getting back to the conversation we're supposed to be having, like, I don't think the count I don't think the Count's a dick. I think there's bigger dicks on that boat than than the I, Count by a pretty large margin, honestly. you know. I wouldn't go as far as to say that he is a dick in pirate radio, but he's definitely, let me put it this way, he's the American 
of the group of Brits on yeah, a boat. Yeah, which is why he gets so um, so bent when Kavanaugh comes back. Yeah. You know, like... He... Which, if you're going to have someone go up against the dick master, it's going to be, you know, Reese Ivins. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, you would probably love... You would love him in Notting Hill. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because he plays Hugh Grant's fucking total fucking idiot. I've seen him in I've seen him in three movies. I've seen that guy in three movies and that's it. And he's uh, he's a uh, dick. Two of them are Spider Man. Okay, five movies. Okay. Um Pirate Radio. Pirate Radio. Spider Man. Spider Man No Way Home. Right. Um The Replacement. Uh huh. Um Little Nicky. Okay. And I just blanked on the last one. God damn it. Well, then it's six. No, then that's it, then. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I named off the two Spider-Man Oh, I was going to say I was going to say Pirate again. That's that's what I was I was going to okay. say this. Yeah. He was also, uh, he was in the five-year engagement. He's good in that. I, I love, I love when he, when, when he ultimately screws over, um, his friend. And gets January Jones to marry him so she can come live on the boat. Like to me, that's a little more egregious. That I, I, I mean, I understand what you're talking about the sexual assault thing, but I mean, and I'm not necessarily disagree. I don't disagree with that. But like to me, from a foul perspective on the story, that's a bigger foul. I, you know? I think he definitely fucked up, but she is more. No, but I'm just saying from from a overall foul perspective. I'm not saying the the blame falls on him. You know, right. you know. I mean, they're not. One scene is like, oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen. The other one is like, oh my god, I'm so sad for fucking the Irish fuck that that happened. Like that's such a heartbreaking. I have moment. such wonderful news. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, really? That's so awesome. You just, like, you hear his heart breaking. Yep. Oh, you absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, like, and how she's just so cavalier with the oh, whole thing. It's like, yeah, I'll be next door. You'll probably hear us having sex, you know, like. In there. You're awesome. Yeah, no, but I, I, when I was doing it, I was doing when he tells Carl that he's getting married. He's like, oh, that's wonderful news. I don't know why I'm it's just coming out in tune. Like, he just, yeah, yeah it's just. Um, and that's another, he, he's also good. Uh, he's very, he no, the whole cast in the, the, this this movie, very rarely do we say this. I feel like this movie was perfectly cast from top to bottom. I really, truly do. I I can't think of anybody who would be better or worse in certain roles. Uh, I yeah. think they all did a great fucking job. I think Ken Branna uh, as the fucking Sir you know, the Alistair Sir Alistair Dormady. What a fucking name! But what a fucking mustache! That uh, uh, you would have thought that Hitler would have kind of abolished that fucking look. I, I would. Well, that might. I think that might be why he has it. You know what I mean? Like it, not not to like homage Hitler, but he's that like, you know. He didn't get the memo. (laughs) Like he's just had that mustache forever, right? No, but I'm saying that might be the choice why they chose that for the character. You know what I mean? To to kind of because he he is very 
Gestapo ask in the way that he handles this, you know? He, yeah, he he was very borderline close to like channeling fucking Drago and Rocky <laughs> Floyd's like, if they die, they die. Like, you yeah. know, at the end of that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would like to point out that uh, Jack Davenport's character, Twat, would have 100% changed his fucking name at some point. <laughs> I, I, yeah. How would you go I through mean, life with the name Twat? Like in England of all fucking yeah, places, exactly like, right. And it, how, like, <laughs> it's such a. It's like, hey, uh, our our surname is Cunt. Our surname is Cocksmoker. Like, you should probably change that shit. Only the second. I don't want to say second film, so I'll say second franchise, and that's not really accurate since there's only one movie that I've seen Jack Davenport in that I'm that I'm aware of. Uh, so instead of pirate radio, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Basically, yeah. I mean, right. yeah. Uh, but I, I liked him in no, both. Uh, Kingsman. He was in the first oh, Kingsman. He was right. in the opening scene. You're right. You're right. I did, and I did bring that up when we talked about that movie i had just forgotten so yeah but he's right. also in the talented mr ripley he's good in that which i not seen so yeah. yeah um i this is this was well cast i i you know the only the only way i think you improve this and i don't even know what character he would play is if you add simon Pegg to this, to this i was group. thinking about that simon Pegg would have been the fucking goofy jokey one the one who I think he would have been, if you were replacing somebody, he would have been the guy who couldn't swim and was always talking about his nuts. Like, that's mm-hmm. where you put Simon Pegg in. You know what I mean? That's who I'm talking Isn't that who I'm talking about? The, the I, I, I think so. I think that's who you were nuts, referring nuts, to. Yeah. Nutsford or whatever the fuck his name is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, that, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if, like... But Reese Darby, like, Darby did fine. Like, I don't want to... Yes. We're not... We're not I don't think either of us are criticizing Reese Darby's performance. I just think if you're going to put Simon Pegg in without making another character, that's where he goes, you know? I mean, Richard Curtis used, like, his regulars. Like, he... he. I mean, Emma Thompson is in this movie. Yep. And, and she's one of his... Not one of his reoccurrings, but she was in, like, Love Actually, as an example. Yeah, 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 I know, yeah, I know. And this was one of the first movies that she and Ken Branagh did together. No, they were married, right? Or divorced? They're they, they divorced. They were married, and he left her for Helena Bonham Carter. This is before Helena Bonham Carter went for Tim Burton. I was going to say, I thought she was with Burton at this point, but yeah. She went with Burton in the late 90s. So, okay. like, you know. So, Emma Thompson. If you notice, had, though, they don't have any scenes together. They're in the they scene. don't have any scenes, and, and I've heard that's in their contract stipulations. Like, if they're ever in a movie together, they can their characters can never mingle. They can huh. never be together interesting i i don't blame her man like no, no no i'm not saying that i'm just yeah you know she she has come forward and said like look i totally forgive helena but i won't forgive fucking forget brana like what did you think about some of the stuff they did where like uh like we were talking about january jones but they the character's name was eleanor so they could use the song eleanor like i i, 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 I that, that's smart i like when they do stuff like that i um because one of the movies I know we're not going to be re- covering later just because we had to make some tough choices, but like across the universe did that, you know, because mm-hmm. it's all Beatles related. So they named them like you have, you know, a prudence so that they can utilize do dear prudence later and, and things like that. You know what I mean? And Jude yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So 
I I like it when they do shit like that. Uh, I thought one of the best examples was uh, when they named the character Marianne because Marianne mm-hmm. does strike you as an English name so much. It, it's Mary. Sure. You know, Marianne kind of comes off as like a little southern, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Not southern England. Um, it's but Leonard Cohen's. Like most people, when they go for like Leonard Cohen, a la fucking Zack Snyder, it's usually Hallelujah or Everybody Knows or whatever the fuck. Right, right. Slater was playing and in, in fucking uh, Pump Up the Volume, which is pretty much every Leonard Cohen song, pretty more sure. or less. Um, not so much Marianne. Mary, like a lot of Leonard yeah. Cohen's early shit is kind of eclipsed. And it was like they could have just as easily named the character Suzanne. Like if if um, Richard Curtis was like, I want some fucking Leonard Cohen thrown in, in this movie. They could have named her Suzanne because he Leonard Cohen has a song called Suzanne. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it works. And that whole scene where Carl is sitting there like kind of distraught and the other two guys come over and like bring him tea and then yep. fucking cookies and that was all improvised they richard curtis literally was just like it's gonna be just carl sitting there looking sad for like a couple seconds and they happen to be nearby he's like hey i've got an idea what would you guys do if your friend was in this situation and they improvised the whole fucking thing and it's like, one of the best scenes in the whole movie i absolutely agree. fucking love that machine so 100 percent agree um, it's, it's sh- because those guys aren't really doing much throughout the film. They're not, you know, they're, they're not the big players. No, they're not, no, they're not Nick Frost. They're not fucking, uh, uh, Bill Nye. They're not. Yeah. They're but th- that's with, uh, and, and I was just thinking you, were, you said Nick Frost, that's another place where Simon Pegg could have slid in. He could have played Dr. Dave as Dr. Dave. He could have played yeah. that. Um, what'd you think of Midnight Mark? <sighs> wow. Nice. Okay. Moving on. Um it looks like if if uh uh if if the doors was an English band, he would have yep, front. That's them. exactly you're hundred percent right. Yep, that's exactly yeah, it. It would have been like um the, the... <laughs> Yeah, the wind is. Um I yeah <laughs> I it, it's it's such a, a good movie. Thick thick Kevin I I I've come I around. Notice, but his the on their door. It's spelled, spelled. Yeah. Um. The the I've never understood with that specifically. Did he do that, or did someone else do that to him? Like I've never been clear. You know. I I one hundred percent think he did that. <laughs> but see, you know what's interesting about thick car or thick Kevin is that he has his he has that moment. Like he's got those that moment of especially the one where he's talking to Carl about I think your dad is on this boat, yeah. Like, like you know what I mean? Like that kind of moment, really. You know, there um, and that is a that's a Richard Curtis reoccurring thing. Yeah, where he will have some of the dumbest characters be the absolute one to be like the voice of reason or the mental clarity when you least expect it. Um, even like, like, uh, Reese Ivins in Notting Hill, he is a dumb shit of a person and he's grotesque as a roommate. He walks around his underwear and 
you know, he goes on dates wearing shirt that says, you know, um, you know, on the front of it says, you're, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And like, he's like, what do you think, you know, of my, of my, uh, of my shirt? He's like, that's awesome. You like, you rock that. He's like, awesome. Turns around the back of his shirt says, want to fuck. And he is like the one person who like is the smartest one when no one is having the balls to say anything. So that's a reoccurring thing. I think thick Kevin is, is fucking one of the unsung heroes of pirate radio. Yeah, I agree. Um, although the, when they're playing, I guess it's not charades. I don't know what the game is that they're playing. Cause it's not charades, but it's, it's like 20 questions meets charades. Essentially. Yeah. That scene is probably one of the funniest in the entire film. Like I could have, I could have watched a whole hour and a half of that. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 it's just and like, really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost want like you talked about how that one scene with the cookies and the tea are yeah. which I I thought of as milk honestly but whatever I'm not gonna art that's whatever it is that they're drinking but that that scene there is improvised and that's awesome now I almost wonder because of how how Philip C Moore Hoffman's reacting to this if it's if that's almost the same they're actually playing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they just filmed it. Like, they said, okay, we're going to play the game and, and go, you know? Oh, like, they, it, like, like only Richard Curtis and fucking Thick Kevin knew they were going to, like, pick Jesus Christ or something? No, I don't even know about that. Like, I'm wondering if it was almost like it's in the... It, they, they literally are playing the game, and he just said, play it like you would if you were Thick Kevin. Like, you know what I mean? I I don't know. I think... Uh, or uh, you it, might be. It, it's very well possible, but I uh, think Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of those actors who he was able to portray what looked like improvisation. Oh yeah, no, he he was that good, and I, I'm not yeah. I'm not saying he's not, but like there's one part when they're doing the Jesus one specifically because mm-hmm. it's right after he said, "Really nice guy," mm-hmm. and then and then. And then Hoffman's laughing, and he goes, really nice guy. And then I think he said something about long hair, because it's before he talks about where's a dress, right? He says long hair and hangs with a lot, has a lot of friends. And 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 you hear, you have to listen for it, but you hear Hoffman go, he's laughing, and he goes, I know this. Like He's like, I, I know who he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. and I... I feel like that's not scripted. I feel what maybe 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 more of it scripted than I think, but that right there, that moment right there, doesn't feel scripted. Whether it's an ad lib and he knew it was Jesus, or he didn't know and he's just really reacting to them playing, I don't know. But, Only Richard Curtis can confirm this. But uh, it, it it wouldn't stun you, right? Like if that was no, 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 no. Because it see, it's one of those unmentioned things that I actually like in movies is when like characters are like doing charades or or improv games or mm-hmm. word games, like Inglorious Bastards. There's a whole scene where they're like they have like a famous person on their forehead, yeah, and they yeah, have yeah. to, you know, basically play twenty questions to guess who it is. I love that type of shit. I it. Because it looks like such a boring thing that you would write on paper, but it's such an exciting thing that you would actually watch it. Because I, I think there's one other improvised area in the movie, if I'm guessing. In Pirate Radio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Where? So there's the scene where Marianne comes back. 
mm-hmm. and and he, her and and Carl end up sleeping together. But you mm-hmm. know, and it, you don't see it, but it's obvious, pretty implied that's what happens, right? Right. No, they they definitely boned. Yeah, and and when he comes out to get her some tea, I think it's to get her some tea. They've got a whole radio set up and accounts talking about how he got his cherry popped and the whole thing. That is all planned. But what I think is unplanned is the lesbians down the hall. Oh, I think that was planned. I you think, think so. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because even uh, the look on, and again, he was graded, graded at you know acting as if improvising but the look on Hoffman's face of like oh shit you know what i mean like i yeah that i think that was definitely planned based on the the camera uh you think so? okay okay fair enough yeah fair because enough. then you would been like richard curtis would be like all right guys don't mind the fact that i'm aiming this camera right at this door like well it's more down the hall and you see their heads pop out it's not right at the door so i mean it's possible that he didn't tell them what was going to happen, but it, it, I, I felt like it was, it was a natural progression for the scene and it would have been like, well, obviously, right. Where, where where are the lesbians? Even if it is in the script and it went the way it was planned, it's still a great, it's still a great moment. That whole sequence is awesome, but you know, what happened to January Jones? Did she like disappear? Because, they sent like, her off totally... the boat. They sent her back to the mainland. No, 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 no. I mean, where the fuck did what happened to January Jones? Is she still acting? Oh, I I don't know. I think I think she got caught up in the Me Too shit from Weinstein. Did she? I, I think so. Yeah, I, and I think we talked about that once when we were talking about a different franchise or a different episode. Um, I'm gonna double check. Um, I mean, I know she was in. She was in X-Men First Class. We definitely talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's when this oh, came she up. She was in Mad Men for a while. That took up a good chunk of her career. That too. Yeah, that too. That too. But that um, ended also like seven years ago. It's been a while. Yeah, I think she got caught up in the, the Harvey shit, unfortunately. Um, but I do want to talk about another heavy moment. Not a heavy moment on pirate radio, but then I, I'm pretty much done with it. Um, I, I There's a real like, Again, that kind of moment is because at least it was for me when uh, the Count is talking to Carl on the deck of the boat towards the mm-hmm. end. And he's like, I realized something. And it's it's a damn shame because once you realize it, you can't unknow it. And once you know it, you know, and he's like, these are the best days of our lives. And like, I guess being 42... <laughs> That might have something to do with it, but it's like, oh, he's probably right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a big part of me. It feels like my best days are behind me. It doesn't mean I won't have good ones ahead of me, but the, the best ones are already past. You know, you never know. You never know. So, um, so I, I share the count's perspective on, on that. <laughs> so, you know, well, hopefully you're not down for the count. Let's, no, let's... no, I don't, I don't, don't think <laughs> So, um, do you want to, I recommend we do Rockstar next. Okay. Um, I, I, I feel like, I feel like we need to, we probably should have almost famous last, but you, that's you, fine. I, cause I feel like that's the one we're going to have the most to say about. Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, it, I don't have a whole lot of like gratuitous like i hated this part of almost famous like almost famous is I, no, it's I think, a good movie I, I think there's a lot to talk about even if you didn't like oh i hate this you know what i mean i think there's right. a lot to talk about um 
Rockstar, I, I listen. You know, I'm a, a metal guy. I'm a, I'm a rock guy, and and no so, shit, no shit. Yeah. So this, this jumped right into my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Oh, I, yeah. I also very much acknowledge it's a flawed movie all over the fucking place. You know what I mean? Like I get that. You know, if I would be as so bold as to say that, I honestly think this is Jennifer Aniston's movie. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. Like, Jennifer Aniston is the one who, like, I thoroughly enjoy, which is not common in <laughs> my, I mean, I, not I have a nothing sentence, bad I would to say. say. Yeah. I have nothing bad to say about Jennifer Aniston. I, I, I think when she does, whatever, whenever she does her kind of like, oh, hello, kind of like, you know, kind of awkward way of fucking acting. Is fine. She's very uh, confident in this film. The character is very confident, you know. Extremely. She's yeah. not second guessing mm-hmm. shit, except for like, maybe I shouldn't be fucking the rock star anymore. Yeah, well, maybe. but that that's a good second guess to have at that point. So, yeah. when when my boyfriend becomes like you know the the actual fucking lead singer of a fucking well established rock band. Maybe I might have to compete with the groupies. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think we should touch on a few things with this, this movie real quick though. Um, so this movie is very loosely based on real life events. Uh, it was originally supposed to be almost a biopic. And then there was a bunch of legal issues and debates and fights and it, it got rescripted and rewritten and, you get what you get with Rockstar, which is still loosely based on a true story, but it, it's so loosely based that I think they couldn't even go as far as to say based on a true story in the in the credits anywhere. Like that's that's how loose it is at this point, you know. And I think the original title was God of Metal. Metal God. Metal God. Metal God, yeah, yeah. 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 Um it, God of Metal just sounds like the fucking like the direct-to-DVD version of, like, four. So, so the, the, the origin of the movie is that, based on Judas Priest, mm-hmm. Rob Halford, the singer, did come out as gay a mm-hmm. long time ago. Now, see, the movie came out in 2001. Yeah. So, I'd say Halford came out in 97. Like, it was a number of years before the movie. It wasn't, like, right up against it, right? Right. Um, and where there's some gray area is not long after that, Halford leaves Judas Priest. Now, the gray area is there are some that say he was kicked out, and there are some that say he left of his own volition. Um, and that's a little unclear even to this day, from what I my my understanding is that nobody fully truly understands what happened. I can tell you that they have mended fences, and he's back in Judas Priest, but there was a mm-hmm. good chunk of time when he was not, and they did replace him with a gentleman named Tim Ripper Owens, who was in a Judas Priest tribute band which is about where the truth ends right <laughs> for this movie. Um now I also want to I also want to talk about very quickly the difference between a tribute band and a cover band because there I is I was going to ask you to do that. Yeah, there's so. a very big difference between a cover band and a tribute band. A cover band 
first off, typically typically won't stick to one artist. They'll they'll play a bunch of different artists, different songs from different artists. Sometimes you'll still see them do uh one artist maybe, but they won't try to recreate it note for note. They'll put their own spin on it in some capacity. Uh, maybe you'll have a different singer, like you'll you'll gender bend. You'll have a, le- a female lead singer instead of a male lead singer, or something like that. Or or even a fe- maybe a female in the band if there's not one in the original band or something like that. If you're just being a cover group, a tribute band will go as far as to wear the same style clothes, uh, wear their hair the same way, uh. And then you have certain you have different levels of tribute band within that. You have guys like uh, Marky Mark's character in this, where they want to hit it note for note, pitch for pitch. You know, they want to take it seriously, almost not too only, seriously, yeah, almost too seriously. Yeah, and then you have others that are not as serious, but still still do the thing like where where similar, clo- almost like the other band that they, they fight in the, in the parking lot. Like that's, right. that's, cl- you know, another version. Um, but there is a huge difference between the two. And, uh, you know, Mark, Mark's character in this, uh, Chris, he, he wants it to be a pure on tribute band, like pure on tribute. He wants to be as close to, Bobby Beers. Yeah, he wants to be as close to that as possible by basically deluding himself into thinking like he is that band. He He, is that singer. He is that rock star. Yeah, yeah. Because in his mind, if you you do exactly what the band is doing, then you automatically should be as famous. And I, I understand his rationale because... Tribute bands are never... Though they never are, yeah. I mean, some of them do really well, and and and, yeah. and 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 can make careers out of doing it, but they're never as famous as the original band. Of course not, because like, well, do you want to watch the band, or do you want to watch people do the band? Yeah. Whereas that for me is a is a muddled answer because like I really thoroughly enjoy impersonators. Yeah. So like, do you want to watch Christopher Walken, or do you want to watch someone impersonate Christopher Walken? I'm like, well. Well, <laughs> I, but but I but I feel like with impersonators, and mm-hmm. as one yourself, please, and and I mean that as a compliment, not a not a dig. Right. Um, you tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like impersonators are more like cover bands. They're paying homage but putting putting their own spin. They try to get pretty fucking close, but they understand that they don't always sound identical. Like even like some of the think of some of the greats we've talked about. Like Kevin Pollock does not always sound a hundred percent like the people he's doing. You know who he's doing and it's close enough that you're like, that's pretty fucking good. Same thing with Caliendo. You know, mm-hmm. but not once would I look at Caliendo and go, that's George W. Bush or that's Barkley or that's whoever. You know what I mean? Like um, I think the answer would be if someone is not putting a comedic spin on it, then they are trying to be as close to a tribute impersonator. Sure, but I, I would, and, and I'm sorry not to interrupt you, Rico, but I would say, like, when you're talking about Will Smith and Ali or Jamie Foxx and, and Ray, you know, those are closer to tributes than, you know, like, again, like a Caliendo or a Kevin Pollock or something right. like I, that. Right, I think that's to be expected of, like, a serious biopic. Right. Whereas, like, you, you don't want someone to 
half-ass a portrayal. Sure. Um, but if if it's like someone like Kevin Pollack or Caliendo or or someone, we're like, like how the great example is like half the shit that people that comedians claim that Christopher Walken is saying when they impersonate Christopher Walken. I don't know if Christopher Walken is saying that shit, but because the voice matches the yeah. the weirdness, yeah. the mannerisms can, too, yeah, you can kind of believe it. Like Kevin Pollak did this whole thing where he said he bumped into Chris Walken, and he says, and he lo- he's like, "Oh, Chris looked a little lost." He's like, "Hey, Chris, are you okay?" He's like, "Bastards left me," and you know, I took I was looking for them for an hour. And I realized they're gone. Like it's and it's like okay, well that makes sense. That that sounds like something that Christopher Walken would say. And then he goes elevated. He's like, you know, Frankenstein never scared me. Marsupials do, because they're fast. Like, and they dot. That's crazy. Like it doesn't. I it, I'm sure Walken said that in this possible conversation with him and Kevin Pollock, but the structure of when this happened, I don't think it happened. Right. I think. Right. I think Kevin Pollock was like, that's a weird thing to say, but I'm going to take those words that you did say. I'm going to put it in a random spot because I'm going to make it seem like Walken just has no rhyme or reason or even understanding of what planet he's on. Right. That's where I think it's a cover impression as opposed to a tribute impression. Because if anybody was just going to be doing impressions of somebody, they would deliver the lines of movies word for word, beat for beat. Tone for tone. Exactly. It's yeah. having fun with the impression where it's becoming a tribute. So I, I, I do agree with the comparison. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, he, he, he tries to do this tribute band and he's taking, like you said, he's taking it seriously, maybe too far. And Fucking seriously. And, and the rest of the band eventually is like, all right, we've had enough. But here's the good thing about something like that. When you are taking something too seriously, it strives you to be greater. So, like, Steph would disagree with me on this, (laughs) but I really didn't have any classical training as a singer. Not really. Like, I I had, like, I went to some chorus thing when I was a kid, and but I I really wasn't, like, standing there doing scales while someone was fucking doing Right, you weren't taking pure singing lessons. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but because I was a halfway decent mimic, my way of sort of learning how to sing was to imitate like Sinatra. I was going to say Frank. Yeah. That's yeah. So my style of singing is very, very similar to Sinatra's singing. And which again, Steph would totally disagree with because she's like, I, Sinatra's style of singing is the absolute worst way of doing it because it's not following the notes. It's, it's not, it's not, proper singing he's just kind of winging it every single fucking time he does well, it no, but you took an influence from him and put your own spin on it you're not doing a pure yeah but early when i was a kid and starting and really kind of well, sure it, yeah. seriously i was taking it seriously but it made because sinatra was such a a powerful singer i and i'm trying to hit those notes that he did effectively well it made me a better singer no i i, I get it and that's what i'm saying marky mark was doing i'm like if you're going to fucking strive for greatness you aim for the gods you no. aim for that high note and that's where it paid off where yeah. he was working where when he was taking it too seriously is where he got to that level but then he should have been like all right now i'm effectively a great singer i should do my own thing 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it also, I mean, in, in the con the converse that I did, I got him the job singing for Steel Dragon. You know what I mean? So like, you know, he he gets this he gets this invite out to L.A. to meet Kirk Cuddy, the the bass the guitar player for the band, and you know, but he's also getting higher notes and more powerful. It's a more powerful voice. If he was trying to hit the same thing as as uh, fucking Beers. No, he does hit Bobby Beers' notes. I, it's, to, to my knowledge, he hits the, the notes perfect. For, he hits the notes perfect, but it sounds more powerful, well, which is why he got yeah. noticed. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I yeah. Um, I, I want to give the creators and, and the people who made the movie a lot of credit for using a lot of real musicians. In this, like a lot of real musicians, some of them people that probably don't even know, you know what I mean? But, like, with the exception of the one guitar player who he meets at the audition, all of the musicians in Steel Dragon are real. You got Zach Wild, who, who's played guitar with Ozzy, he's now got his own band, the Black Label Society, he, he's played in a lot of different groups. Um, Jason Bonham, who's in a bunch of different, he's a drummer in a bunch of different groups, and also the son of one of the greatest drummers to ever walk the planet, and John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then you even have Jeff Pilson, who, well, maybe not as as uh, notable, was a, a bass player in Dokken and several other '80s metal bands for years, and he plays the bass in Steel Dragon. So the only non-musician. You have in that band is Kirk Cuddy, the the actor who plays him, and I'm trying to get his name right now. Um, Purcell, or it's I think you're right. Yeah, I might have to go to the full cast. It's not Dominic West. Dominic West. Dominic West. Yeah. Um, and he and he did fine. You know, like I, you know, doing what he had to do, he did fine. So I'm not, you know. Well, you know, there are certain faces that don't like you put hairstyles on him. He's one of those guys that the long hair doesn't look good on him. Sure. Uh and it, it kind of kept throwing me off. I'm like, oh God, I, I've seen you in just short hair forever, and it just it doesn't look good. The I'm kind of glad we got we kind of moved out of that phase. Yeah, uh, I mean, and there's aspects where, but I mean, even even a guy that replaces um, Chris in his tribute band is actually the lead singer from Third Eye Blind. Right. So, like, yeah, they 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 used a lot of real musicians in this, and that to me, I feel like gives it some credibility. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my perspective on it, at least. I agree. I think if you're going to make a fictional band, it helps to have people that look like they know what they're doing. Even, I mean, we'll get there with Almost Famous, but like, even though the majority of the band members of, uh, what is it, Stillwater? Stillwater? S- Stillwater, yeah. Uh, not, majority of them are not actual musicians. Some of them None have of- experience. Like, I think Jason Lee knows how to play the piano. Yeah, but that's about the extent of yeah. There's not much in still. There's more in that in the wonders than there is in Stillwater, right? Yeah, but they also did rehearse like for six weeks to make it seem like they looked like a band. Like they all like lived together or not, or they Could, they, they hung around each other to give off the impression that they were a band. But Jason Lee is still not singing. He's lip syncing through that entire movie. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, the majority of the of of almost famous rock star and that thing you do, they're all lip syncing. No, li- that thing you do is legit. They're singing that song. 
I heard I, when I looked it up, it looked like they were lip syncing. I watched a whole thing on it. On oh really? Yeah, right. they're playing and singing. That's them. Okay. All right. So then you're when you're right, you're right. Um, but you're right. You're right. Stillwater and Rockstar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So it is kind of interesting that the fact that Mark Marky Mark is doing something where he he's not actually performing as a vocalist not to say that you know good vibrations is not a fucking amazing goddamn well, you song. heard what they did to him right on set yeah I, I saw that i saw the credits where they and i burst out laughing because i got it and stuff's like i don't what, what what's funny and i'm like that's that's his song they played his song to fuck with him yeah yeah they did it like he's ready to go into a steel dragon song and and they threw on uh good vibrations and it was pretty pretty funny the i weirdly enough the only other time i've seen something like that happen in like an outtakes because it is is nice when they do shit like that Mm -hmm. uh ironically enough was jennifer aniston they did she was in a movie called we're the millers okay and during one of the outtakes it's her and Jason Sudeikis and other people in the fucking van, and they're all listening to music, and they played the fucking theme for oh, Friends. The, the Rembrandt, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it completely stopped her in her tracks, and she's like, "That's pretty good, guys. Like, that's a." And they all did the fucking, you know, the yeah, clap, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. she was yeah. just like, "Oh fuck me, I can't." God damn it! Like. I, 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 from what I've heard, she has the best sense of humor about that since the oh. show ended. I, her and, um, I think it's Joey. Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. I think those Matt, two, yeah, have the best. Matt LeBlanc humor. is one of the, has one of those great sense of, of humor because his whole thing was that he's like, you're going to make fun of me when I got like rich and famous for playing a idiot okay (laughs) yeah okay yeah was also the only one that like was the most struggling when they first started yeah like everybody else was like oh yeah you were in that movie and matthew perry you were in that movie and courtney cox you were in ace ventura and he was like practically homeless so like when he finally got his first paycheck like everybody else bought like cars and shit he bought himself a hot meal that is sort of heartbreaking. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like, hey, um, what'd you do with your money? He's like, I went and had lasagna, like a restaurant. <laughs> Fuck you guys. As, as opposed to friendly. as opposed to buying the Batmobile, like Izzy does. Oh my does. god. <laughs> uh, that was. Listen. I don't give a fuck if it's the '60s Batmobile or the Burton Batmobile or the fucking Tumbler. It's kind of. <laughs> You're not going to look as cool as you think you do driving the Batmobile, especially the 60s one. Like, getting dropped off somewhere in the 60s Batmobile is one thing. Right, like your wedding or or a prom or something. Yeah, yeah. Fucking drive through McDonald's on a regular basis (laughs) or, like, driving to fucking, like... You know, going shopping or like picking your kid up at school, and you're just like, douchebag, douchebag. Um, I yeah, I I I dig, I I just I dig a lot of the characters in this. I dig, you know, um, I remember when I saw this because again, it came out in 2001, so I was just kind of changing my perspective on. Um, the LGBTQ community, we, we talked about that 
where I used to stand and where I certainly stand now. Um, the the scene with the one woman peeing threw me pretty hard. Uh, that know. did throw me pretty hard because it never is touched upon ever again. And you're it's not actually really touched upon before, though. I bet I missed it. No, it it is a very quick. It's it's a quick hit, right? So so, and I'll tell you what it is. So so, Chris obviously knows everything there needs to know about Seal Dragon. Like he knows about embroidery colors. He knows about like the fact that Bobby's got his nipples pierced and all that. Like he knows just ridiculous amounts of things about about Bobby Beers. Right. And they're in the limo going to the the audition that he does not know is an audition. He doesn't know exactly why he's there, you know. Right. And and Jennifer Aniston, Emily says, so I think she says Tanya. She doesn't say it right. And and the woman corrects her and says it's Tanya. And so she kind of mocks her. She's like, oh, Tanya, Tanya, okay. And and Chris very quickly goes, oh, you're the one that hooked up with, you're the one that was with Bobby for a couple of years. And then they move on with it. They just, he says that and they move on. Like it, it ends right there. Uh, and then in the next scene, you find out he's gay. Like right. he comes, he, he gets into the room and he, he, you know, there's that whole, the whole thing about him being gay or whatever. Sure. And it's like, Okay, now that you know that, it's like it makes sense that she's standing to pee because it's pres- presumed that she's trans, just maybe not all the way through. You know what I mean? So apparently not. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's just not. sort of one of those scenes where it's like, you know. <sighs> but for the eighties, because you also have to think about the time frame for the eighties. Right. You know that that would have been like it was. It was eighty five, eighty six. You know, that's. Yeah. Not as okay as it is in you know even in two thousand one when that thing came out, let alone now you know. So transgenderism wasn't even a word; it was transvestite, transvestite, transsexual. That would be another one. Yeah. But yeah. well, so I mean, look, I don't. I, you, you, all you listeners, you know my stance on this. I'm uh, saying that it is. It wasn't necessary, and also it kind of wasn't believable not to say there weren't trans people in the 80s sure i'm saying there's no fucking chance in hell that woman that 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 man is not a woman like it it was absolutely unbelievable um and and there was really nothing that came from that it felt like they kind of put that scene in for shock value and all it did was just kind of make me confused like even though some like i'm i grew up in the bay area and i'm i i'm very friendly with all the the trans communities. I was just like, wait, what the fuck is she? A, is she a dude? What or, what what just happened? Yeah, it is a little odd. It's a little weird because nothing happens from that. No, af- after go the, to her after the fact, she just basically disappears. You never see her again. You never see her again. Which is, I guess, the implication is that he was like uncomfortable with it, and he said some shit, and like said, "I don't and, want her near me." And he would have had the power to do it at the time. So, I mean, it's possible, but you but know. she's also pretty predatory on him. So, A like, bit. yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I, I'm not saying like just. I would be. I would say that Marky Mark would be justified if he's like, I wouldn't have really consented to this. Like, sorry. It's not that I don't find you attractive. Clearly, I find you attractive. But if if we if I had known that there's something else, and also like 
I'm not entirely sure that he and, and Jennifer Anderson were really in the mood to all of a sudden have a fucking gangbang. No, that's more than a gangbang. If you saw that, that room was like Jonestown was a, in the morning yeah, after. There, were just, yeah. there was women. There was naked peoples everywhere. I was going to say women, yeah. but no, there were dudes there too. Um, yeah, I, I think, and, and they were clearly like slipped like drugs and shit. Oh yeah, he no. You see him taking e an e pill. I don't know what she got, but he definitely said. Oh. Um, I will just for the audience let her, let people know that Dagmara Dom Dominizic is who plays that character, and mm -hmm. is a woman. So yeah, yeah. Um, is also married to someone of the cast and crew or something. I think. Uh, she's married to Patrick Wilson. Maybe now, but I think at the time she may have been with someone else. It's possible she married him in two thousand five, though, so not long. Right, not long after. Um, Look, I'm I'm saying if you're going to have that scene, you kind of have something from that because I felt like it was kind of a shallow put thing to put in. It was just shock value, and it, 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 it was it shock value. But you got to figure the time too. Two thousand one shock value. I mean, we weren't, we still weren't where we are now with the community, you know. So. True, but so which makes my point is that it's kind of just it's showing that all trans people are predators. Like you know, what I'm saying it's I, like I didn't. I, that's not where I was going with it, but okay, fair enough. I mean, I yeah, I mean that's how I viewed it. It's like, I, I no, I I I wouldn't go blanket. I would go that she was a predator, but not the she whole. She was a predator, but then there's no resolution and nothing comes. Look, we're we're going around in circles on on one thing. Yeah, and, um, and but I I will say it it did stop me because I was like, what the fuck? I yeah, I mean it definitely. I think I did it to a lot of people. Um, I, I like Timmy, Timothy Fantastic in this. I am, I'm a, but you know, I'm a bigger, I'm a bigger fan of him than you are. I'm not saying that you don't like him, but of, of the two of us, I'm a bigger fan. I think of him. I think when he does his movies and when he does his role, he does a very good job. Like it, he's actually pretty fucking good in scream too. Okay. Uh, he, he comes off very Tarantino esque and he's even referred to as. He's like the, the creepy Tarantino film student. Like he's referred to as that. It's gotcha. perfectly. Um, I, I like Timothy all fantastic. Uh, I just, said, I, I think I, I, yeah, I just, I'm not saying you don't like him. I think just of the two of us, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan. That's all. I have always said that I really want a movie where he plays Billy Bob Thornton's son. Yeah. You've said that. Yeah. Which, in turn, I've always, I've always said I want Billy Bob Thornton to play Humphrey Bogart in a movie because that resemblance is pretty fucking yeah, uncanny. Yeah, you just just make a movie about Bogart, just call it Bogey, and have like Timothy Oliphant play like young Bogey, and then and have Billy, Billy Bob, Bob Thornton play. Old, Bogey. There you go. Well, which old Bogey's not really old because he only lived to fifty-seven. So true. Um, way I... too long. Timothy Oliphant could do it himself the entire <laughs> right. fucking movie. Right. I uh first time I saw Tim Timothy Spall was this. That's another actor who plays a lot of pricks. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't think Matt's is a prick. I think he's just He's a very good defender of the band. He, well, but that's he's his a very job. good cover that's up his, artist. That's his job. That's his job. But you know he you know, his he he uh he still comes off incredibly sleazy. So maybe he's not a prick. He's just always the guy who's kind of sleazy. He could be a hard, he could have a heart of gold, but he's got some ooze trailing behind him. Oh, for sure. I mean, even when he tells a story about how he left his wife, I mean, that's, you know. Which, okay, that's a 
great lesson, I guess. Like, that's something for Marky Mark to learn. He's like, well, I just got to go take a piss. Like, okay. Well, I... <sighs> I get it. I understand it. But, like, it's such a weird thing for him to take from that lesson. Because what he says is, I just looked at my situation. I didn't like where it was going. And I decided to say, fuck it and go on a different road. Okay. But you also, like, left your wife. You went against the norm. Your wife didn't do anything wrong. And she didn't even know you fucking left until, like, huh, that's a long piss. Yeah, right. And then, like, she, he even said, like, oh, she came to one of the shows. Never really talks about how that interaction happened or, or what, what, what happened in that interaction. I mean, he I... Just, the the way the way the way he described it, I took it as it went smoothly. I mean, she married his best friend and and whatnot, and had you know. beautiful kids. But yeah. I would have loved for her. I would have loved for him to be like, and you know what? She gave me a complete fucking verbal bitch slap, which See, I deserved. I, I I presume that sometime between her coming to the show and him taking that piss, that took place. They, he doesn't reference it, but I I presume that that's not the first time they they interacted from the time he left. I'm pretty sure he implied like I, and I never saw her again until she came to a show. I think he says that. No, 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 no. He says, and she even came to a show once, but he doesn't say until he said, and she came to a show once. So I presume at some point they did interact and maybe he did get the verbal bitch slap that he deserved. So I'm not going to argue that, but and then they got over it. She married his friend, and you know Bob's your uncle. Right. But you know it, <laughs> what? Bob's your uncle I, as a, as an expression I've never understood. I actually asked Rebecca about it. I have a whole thing in my chat. I'd have to find it for you. But she, I did actually ask her about Bob. I did ask her about that once. You know, I wanted. I I would like to know someone who actually has an uncle Bob. <laughs> So we could say, and you know, Bob's your uncle. You're like, how'd you know that? Yeah, yeah Uncle yeah. Bob. What the fuck? Yeah, Uncle Bob. What is that? What's that from? That's from something. T two. Yeah, Uncle Bob. There you go. Uncle Thank you. Bob. Um, I'm see if look, I can find that real quick. But yeah, well, while was... you're, while you're digging that up, I look. Did I like Rockstar? I mean, I I kind of knew I wasn't gonna love it, but it's it's very much a paint by numbers biopic. It's you know. It's not really a biopic, though. But it is. It's a. It's a. It's a biopic that never was true. It is one of those. It, it's a paint by numbers biopic in the sense that somebody with prow with talent and prowess becomes something huge. Then the the uh, ego and the fame gets to their head, and they spiral out of control, and they realize what they really want life in most, and then they fuck off and do what they do what they really should have done from the very beginning. Which is do your own thing, make the girl happy, fuck the drugs and alcohol, or at least do it in moderation. Uh, I, I do, I do like though that he he comes full circle. He goes back to Seattle. He gets himself together. He connects back with Emily. He even connects back with with Rob, the guy from the band, and they kind of yeah. form a they form a real thing. That's it's an original thing, and I like that they tied it into what happens in Seattle. Like they 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 tie it into that whole real life what happened in Seattle, musically speaking. You know, so and even his his attire. Is like I was watching. I'm like, so he went from fucking like hair heavy metal to 
soft spoken Kurt Cobain because his outfit is very Kurt Cobain. No, it is. I well, he became his own person. That's the thing. He stopped yeah. trying to be Bobby Beers or or someone, you know, or Izzy for that matter, and just became himself. You know, so. Yeah, I think they he gave himself the nickname Izzy, as in like, who the fuck is he? Uh, no, I well maybe I don't think he's the one who gave himself. I think the band gave him the name. It's, the, it's not a great nickname. Yeah. Not for him. Not for when you're like you know Bobby Beers and fucking you know uh, Sid Vicious and all these fucking rocker pseudonyms like Izzy. I'd expect the name for Izzy for a ten year old, not a fucking you know twenty five year old dude who's trying to be a, a metal god. Yeah. Anyways, all um, right. So I. I it, Good. I I like the movie. I thought it was I thought it was good. I I I don't know if I'll rewatch it, but it made me kind of think about this is kind of the straightforward musical version without the vampires of Queen of the Damned. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little. It's I just, mean, it's, it's just Vamp Star. Vamp Star. Um, yeah, a little bit. I I do I do see it a little bit. I. I love Steel Dragon. I listen to them. I mean, they only put out three full songs, but the three full songs they put out, oh, I listen to them pretty regularly. You know, and I will, you know, I do the alphabet thing on Thursdays on the radio show. I will definitely play Steel Dragon when I get there. Now, I'll explain fictitious band from a movie, but, right. you know, I'll still play the goddamn songs. They're really good <laughs> songs, you know? So, um, no, again, I think this is Jennifer Aniston's movie. Um, I thought she, it, she finally showed some goddamn gravitas to something that we had never really seen. It's also weird to hear her say fuck. It's just not one that you expect Jennifer Aniston yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah. She does it well though. She carries she, it. She, she throws it well. Yeah. Oh, in that moment you're like, oh yeah, she's definitely half Greek. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 like I said, I liked her performance in the same sense that, like, when we get to, like, that thing you do, I really fucking loved uh, Liv Tyler's performance. Oh, I yeah, Liv is, Liv is the star of that that movie. Without, Liv definitely yeah. is the heart of that fucking movie. Um, sure. All right, let, let me read, because I got found, I found the thing from Rebe- with Rebecca. Um, so I, I, I'm going to lay out as much of it as I can. I said to her, hey, I need your help with an English phrase that I love, but I'm pretty sure I'm using incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And I said, Bob's your uncle. And she goes, I use it when, when saying that's the end, uh, you know. And she goes, I'm trying to remember when I say it. because you're not wrong, but you're not 100% right either. Mm-hmm. And I said, and then she said, it's it's kind of like a job's a good in kind of phrase. And I don't know what that didn't really clarify either. But I, and then she goes, or like if you're making food, you list off the steps and Bob's your uncle would be the last thing you'd say after the last step. So like you've made made your cake, you pour on some ice cream or custard and Bob's your uncle. Job's a good one. It's all kind of done. Vi- it's all done kind of vibe. So I. So it's essentially an exclamation point. Right. It's, but then really I asked her, I asked her, do you know the origin? She goes, oh, no, not at all. So. So she doesn't. She she knows as much as we do about where it comes from, but that is the the uh, the the use of it is correct at least. So well, now I'm gonna fucking see if I can find the origin. You you go do that, and I'm gonna move into that thing you do. I think unless you had anything else on Rockstar you wanted to say. No. Um, I I thought you would have been into this a little more just because of the era 
Um, you would be right. And you know what? I will say that I think that thing you do would be, you would, you would be right. This is a movie that I would, you would think I would love. Yeah. Um, I will add. It has all the, the right pieces. It's the error. It's Tom Hanks. It's like, you know, like it's got all the check marks. (laughs) Well, let me, let me add this. I, at your insistence, I bought the extended director's cut. Which is, which, by the way, is a rarity for extended cuts, in my opinion. But you tell me if you agree with this. It is an hour longer than the original. Which yes. usually in extended cuts, I think the longest extended cut, and I'm not cl- including Batman v Superman because that's just a weird fucking. Sa- and same thing with the the Snyder Justice League. Cut, Those are yeah. two like anomalies. So typically your director's cuts, what, maybe at most a half hour longer, but usually, yeah. what, 15 minutes. That's that's typical time, I would say, for an extended cut or director's well, cut. They even advertise with 30 minutes of deleted footage, but I'm like, no, that's an hour. I looked, it's, it's advertised as 30, but it is a full hour. Basically. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see any advertise. I believe you, but I didn't on, see it. On that the way. cover of the No, DVD no, no, but I, I, yeah, I, I believe you, but I didn't really see that, so. Um, I will, uh, I will say that I think the director's cut is actually the inferior version. I think the theatrical uh, cut. Okay. So because I, I watched the extended cut and then I, I perused all the way through, like fast forward, stopped, watch a scene through the theatrical cut. Theatrical cut is, is more concise. Okay. So here, here's what I can say about that. I'm not surprised that you feel that way. Mm. And I can see why you feel that way. Right. And I can see why 90% of the world would probably feel that way. Um, as a, as a music lover, I want to see every one of those nuances that they show, you know what I mean? All that behind the scenes stuff with the band going to the wrong, the wrong dressing room and looking at the names on the door and kind of fawning over that, you know, all that little them on the stage looking at that, that, that capacity seating for the first time, like that kind of stuff as someone who, who loves. I, I love music the way you love film. You want to know about the camera and why the guy stood at that angle shooting. You know what I mean? You Yes maybe, and no. But, Sometimes. It depends but, on the subject. But yeah. But in general, you want to know those kinds of things about filmmaking, right? Right. I, I want to know that kind of stuff about music. So seeing these little extras that we get in that extra hour, I, I loved. And like even the scene where when... um. Uh, uh, Christ, why am I blanking on people right now? Um, when Guy gets back from the, the jazz club and he's drunk and, and, and Mr. White's trying to tell him, okay, you need to be at the TV studio tomorrow. Let's get you to bed and I'm going to go out and hang out with presumably my, my boyfriend, if not my date or whatever. Which, Which I completely missed. I missed that he was supposed to be gay, but that's just me. Well, it's a little ambiguous in the theatrical version. If you don't, you don't it's see not it. The scene. No, well, no, that scene doesn't even. No, there's no scene about right. the television thing at all. He just the the scene with Rita Wilson cuts, and that's it. It's it's the next morning. Right. But you know, having managed a band for a number mm. of years, I can even relate to what it's like to being Mr. White. So like. You know what I mean? I didn't manage it at that level, but I still 
had to deal with the personalities and and different things. One of our guys got really drunk at a show one night, and I had to kind of wrangle him. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, as you do, I, I. So for me, I love that version for all those extras. But I get it. I, I really do, and I always love the. It doesn't make me like the theatrical less. It just gives me more of the things that I like. But I think the theatrical is perfectly fine, and I get why most people would like that version better. You know, nine times out of ten, I would want to watch an extended cut. I know, of movie that I know, yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm not saying that there are scenes in, in the extended cut that aren't great. I'm saying he could have made a another version where he cuts out some scenes that kind of go a little too long. Like there are parts where oh, it's yeah. like it just felt like it just went on unnecessarily to the point of being uncomfortable and he could have you know like being like you know how there there will always be a scene in any movie where it's just like okay when's it when's it gonna wrap up the scene when are we moving on yeah see i i yes i know what you're referring to i didn't have any moments like that in this but that's for me you know yeah and i'm saying i think hank's who I'm not criticizing him as a director or no. a writer or, no. or anything like that. I think it's a concise story. I think it's, I think he, he got the right people to play the right parts. It, 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 but you're right. The director's cut, not then the director, the, the theatrical cut is more concise and tells the story more efficiently. I don't disagree with any of that. You know, I, I can't, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> See, this is like the one time where I'm like, you know, I'm always saying, you know, there should be more character development. This is where it kind of like you develop the characters way too fucking much. You're you're developing like Charlize Theron's character. You get way more Tina in the director's cut. Yeah. Ultimately didn't do anything. Like you're you're really fucking like you you're you're invested in this and then once she's like with the dentist, it just there's no mention of her whatsoever. So it's like on one hand, cool. Well, I guess we got a whole lot of Charlize. No, no, not, not. No, the last thing you see is her, like, sh- basically moving in with the dentist. Like, they're right, but actually, but there's no, no, like, I break up with you. I'm leaving you. There's none of that shit. Right, but the, there's reference to it in the bar when Mister White's talking to to Faye. And a lot, the line is actually different. It's actually a different line than in the theatrical cut. But she, he, he says, um, uh, I f- I'm trying to remember exactly what he says. Mr. White says something to the effect of, is there anyone back in the area that thinks Guy is special or something right. to that effect? I might have it wrong, but I got it close enough. And in, you, you know... In the theatrical version, she she answers him something to the effect of, "Well, he was in love with this woman, he, or he was with this woman, Tina, but she fell in love with her dentist," and that implies that the relationship is dead. Right. In the, the extended cut, it she really kind of implies as if they don't know what's going, like nobody knows, including Guy, what the hell's going on with their relationship at this point. You know. Right. And she then, just stopped writing. She stopped answering, yeah, and yeah. and I think he calls her one time, and she doesn't. It like it just rings through a few times, and that's and that's the last time he tries to communicate with her. And I guess he just assumes at that point the relationship's dead, but there's no real discussion of okay, we're breaking up. 
Um, but there is that uh, that difference there, you know. Yeah, and I'm saying he could have he could have executed that a little bit better. Sure, sure. No, Be- I, because I agree. it ultimately it's like we're now as an audience who, especially for me, like as I've never seen both versions in its entirety. I've seen scenes. So this whole thing, I'm like, all right, well, Charlie's going to be a big part of this fucking movie. And I'm like, oh, she's a big part of this movie, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's actually Charlene's first movie. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Well, she fucking did a great job for whatever the fuck, for that, for that thing she did. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this is, this is Liv Tyler's movie. Um, I would argue it's also Tom Everett Scott. I, I, I think it's his as much. You know, you know, I, when I was watching him, I kept thinking like, wow, I wonder if Hanks cast him because he kind of looks like a young Tom Hanks. Actually, he 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 originally said he wouldn't cast him for that exact reason. And, and everyone, then Rita Wilson was like, no, dude, like he needs and, to be not yeah. just Rita, like multiple people came to him and was like, you kind of need him in this movie. Like, that's your guy, you know, but at the same time. You can kind of tell this is his first movie. He he plays. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I'm saying this is his first forte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you can see there are some there's some mannerisms and facial expressions and line deliveries where I'm like, uh, at least in the extended cut, I'm like, it 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 kind of clashed here and there. Like mm-hmm. it was his character is kind of inconsistent. You don't know if he's supposed to be the cool heartthrob or if he's supposed to be this sensitive guy, or if he's sort of the wacky one. No, it, wacky one's definitely Lenny. The... Lenny's definitely the wacky one. There's no he's question definitely the about wacky that. one, but like there are parts where guy is interacting with people, not on the band, but he's like, he kind of gives these weird facial expressions. And I'm just like, what, what he's character a, well, is he trying to play? And he, and I, he's an awkward kid from the PA That's never been really anywhere before that. Like he's, he, you know, he, he served in the military but he that's it like he 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 did that and he came home how did he kill the mili- how did he kill the the enemy fucking awkward them to death like he just fucking made a um, face and I'm like all right boom real quick charlie's she technically was in children of the corn 3 before this uh, i actually but, i think i didn't know that but, but she's yeah. on she's uncredited in that right. movie so this is her first credited role and she got pretty top like high billing for this yeah i mean well i again she was supposed to be more in it than she ended up being in the theatrical cut i mean and and she's only two years away from uh devil's advocate at this point which Which really pushed her yeah yeah and that's what yeah like we talked about when we did did that movie i think i think we've talked about this before where her first role was i just couldn't remember so i wanted to go check it but i think i would say like it was devil's advocate and there was like there was this fucking movie called mighty joe young that really that really kind of pushed her like, yeah i, I would also came out. i would also say possibly cider house she was in that too oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then i'm the not Astronauts taking away from mighty joe yeah i'm not taking away from mighty, mighty joe young but i'm just saying i think that all those, you know. Well, it put her on the Disney. Map oh yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really kind of important if you're starting out. Sure. Um, I, I think the cat. I think uh, Steve Zahn is one of those actors that he's just perfect for. Oh, he was fantastic as Lenny. He was fantastic. Yeah. 
really was. Um, I've he was seen really him good. in. I've seen him do dramatic roles, uh, but he still has that same wise ass cadence that he he does extremely mm-hmm. well. I, I remember him being interviewed, and he was like, he was on so he was like in so many movies where he the title had the word little in it, like Stuart Little, and obviously Stuart Little too. Uh, the Doolittle films, uh, and like Chicken Little. Okay. Like I was just like, what the fuck? Who? who what is agents just like? Hey, man! Like I'm gonna be little. You <laughs> like? Yeah, right. It's funny though, because I so as you can probably suspect, I watched a bunch of extras on this film. Um, sure. And the consensus seems to be. For all the people in this film, and some of them have gone on to some real careers, i.e., Charlize, you know, Liv, um, Tom Everett Scott to a lesser degree, but more than some of the other guys. Um, he did a lot of TV. He did a lot of TV. He's also done some movies, but yeah, yeah, because um, he's also in Boiler Room, if you remember. He is in Boiler Room, um, so it's Giovanni uh, Ribisi. Who, who. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Some of the bigger names that we know now that had lesser parts in this film, like Giovanni, Charlize, you know what I mean? Like, they're not the focal yeah. points of, of... And I guess that, that fucking guy, what's his name? Uh, Tom Hanks, yeah, I guess... He, that guy, he, yeah, he, you know, yeah, whoever that, he that is. Um, no, but, but they all... They seem to be consistently saying that, like, this is a film they remember making. Like... Don specifically says, I've made a bunch of movies since and I made several before. And I remember make I remember specific days filming on this more than I do with any other film I've worked on. You know, like that's how much of an enjoyable experience working on that thing you do was. Like they just loved being a part of this project. And I would probably argue that a lot of that comes from Tom, because Tom as an actor. I'm sure he treated every every actor with respect that most of them, them don't get on their first movie, if not their first major movie. Probably. So I think he probably treated everybody with like comfort, understanding, and be like, listen, I've been where you've been. Like, Yeah, you know, Tom, Tom Everett Scott actually said something about that. He said that it was, he was fearful when he first signed on to the project and when they started filming that – that like he would do something not the way you know Hanks wanted it, and it he would come over and be okay, say it this way, like because he's an actor, because he knows how to act, and he's one of the greatest there is. He would just be like, just say it this way, and he never did it. Like he would give come give notes and direction, but he would never come in and just say, okay, this is how I want you to say it, and then say the line. Like he would, mm-hmm. he would let them find it on their own through the through the conversation, but never by saying, okay, this is this is what I want. You know what I mean? And I, and think, I think that's, that's, that's a good. I think that's that's a clear indication is that Tom Hanks is an actor first and a director second. You know, he But I think that's but I see he the the point was that that's what Tom Everett Scott liked about it was he didn't he was afraid that he was just gonna get he basically was gonna get handheld. He wasn't gonna get any chance to do any acting of you know what i mean like he got to find the character as opposed to be given the character you know what i mean so but this was also tom hanks's first forte as a director so i'm sure he was like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing half the time here you know um, everybody's sort of a fish out of water when you have a whole bunch of 
up and comers trying, you know, starting sure. something for the first time. And he's doing something like, listen, I could, I could easily go back but, and make another fucking Forrest Gump. One, one of the things that they talked about that's not, and you might have caught this because he's a producer on the film, but Jonathan Demi was yeah. there a lot. Now he he's said, also in the film. He's also in the film. Yep. He 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 didn't step on Tom's toes. He never came in and said, "No, do this or or did that." But apparently, he was available. That if Tom needed guidance, Tom could come to me like, "Hey, John, what do you, what do you think about yeah. you know this, that, or the other?" And mm-hmm. they would discuss it. Um, and I think that goes to Jonathan Demi's credit of like let Tom figure it out for himself. But I'm here if he needs me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that's that's. You know. I don't know where the fuck Debbie was when when Tom Hanks made Larry Crown. That would have been nice. Well, I don't know. That's a different. That I I didn't see it, so I can't speak to it. Spielberg but anyway. wasn't returning his calls for that one. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, man, I I I love every piece of this movie. I absolutely do. There's there's very little negativity for me in this film. You know, and I'm absolutely not faulting you. And I, and I, again, you would be correct that that thing you do would be something that I would love. And I just felt like I would, I would, it was too much. I, I know we usually have homework and you, you have, you know, your job, I have my job. Can I ask you to do one extra piece of homework for me? What's that? Watch the theatrical version all the way through. Like, don't do not do what you did. I know why you did what you did. I'm not criticizing, but I'm saying, like, sit down and watch it. And and come back and tell me if your perception changes. Like, if you actually I, watch every piece I of it. I can't promise it'll be anytime soon. It'll probably be, like, in a you know couple of weeks because, you Sure. Know, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, no, no, I get it. But I'm just saying, at some point, just watch, yeah. watch the theatrical version completely through. I get why you did what you did. I'm not criticizing that. But watch it that way and then tell me. Tell me what you think, you know, okay. if, if it's if it's different for you, because I suspect it will be. I suspect you will be like, I think I think it'll leave. Where did you have Rockstar? Do you have it right in front of you? Yeah, it's four. I think it'll leave Rockstar when you watch the theatrical version. It's possible. Um, and uh, that's to say, I didn't I didn't hate that thing you do. No, I no, no I get like, that. I get that. But those I mean, those. Once Tom Hanks came up on screen, I was like, all right, I'm fucking in. And I honestly, I had a, I had a great time recognizing people. Like, this is one of those movies where I'm like, holy shit, that's Brian Cranston. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's Mr. White talking to Mr. White. No, because it's not Mr. White that's interviewing him. There's a scene where Mr. White, where Tom Hanks and Brian Cranston are talking together. I'd have to look that up again. I'd have to look at it again. They're literally having a conversation and it's because it's it's Walter White with fucking yeah, Amos yeah. Wright, which right. uh there's conflicting things because like uh he's it's almost referred to his name as Andy, but he's known as Amos. Well on the credit it just has Mr. White. So Right. So um, Mr. White. Um I, I I do have one more thing. If you have something, go. But I do have one more thing I want to touch on before we we move on. Well, but. I I loved because I read I read the credits when the movie started. Uh huh. And then someone came on screen, and I was like, I know that voice, and I couldn't place him because he looks completely different. But fucking Mo Green from The Godfather is <laughs> like in this yeah. fucking movie. Saw Siler. 
Yeah. Yeah. Fucking uh what what the fuck his name is? Uh uh damn it. What's his name? Ro- uh, Rocco or something? Oh, um hold on. I I got it right here. Chris Isaac's in this too while I'm looking it up for you. Who? Uh Chris Isaac, he's an actual musician. Uncle Bob is is he's an actual musician. I don't know who Chris Isaac is. Oh, you sad little man. Sorry. Um let's see. Saul, Saul, Saul. Where is Saul Siler? Playtone Reporters, Goofball. I don't see him. I, I know I know he's here. I mean, I know he's in it. I know you're talking about, but I don't see him. Alex the... Rocco. That's his name. Thank you. Yeah. So I didn't look at him and be like, oh, my God, it's fucking Mo Green, the guy who gets shot in the eye. Sure. Spoilers. I heard the voice, and I'm like, holy fuck, that's the fucking producer who does the itchy scratch and itchy and scratchy cartoons from the Simpsons. Oh, that's right. He's in that too. Yeah. 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 One who's like always talking through gritted teeth with a yep. cigar and everything. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 Uh, I, that was, <laughs> that was great. Um, what were you going to bring up? Lamar. Lamar might be my favorite character in the entire fucking movie. Uh, I, he, he's great. He's I absolutely great. Love. Lamar. <laughs> no, he's he's fantastic. For an African American, now I know it's California, so the rules are you know the, it's a little more liberal than other states. But for for a mid sixties African American to have that kind of power in oh, a yeah. job is because Lamar he's not pretending to be that, but he has that kind of pull. Like he has the power. No, he really does, though. I mean, Lamar Lamar is you know, I I mean I love when when um. When guy goes, he, he was gonna go out with the bass player yet to be named, and uh, and uh, they were gonna go to to do some touring, going to Grauman's Chinese Theater and a bunch of other places, you know, touristy stuff. Yeah. And he runs into the the Marines and starts doing the push-ups. So guy's left on his own because Faye's gone back to bed and Jimmy's Jimmy and. Lenny's off with the Playboy Bunny, you know. Uh, and he says to Lamar, "Is there any good jazz around here?" And Lamar's, you know, asks him. I don't remember the exact quote, so I'm not going to try to say. But he asks him who plays trumpet on a particular album or something. And right. And when and when guy gets it right, he's like, "Get in the cab!" And he tis to the cab guy, "Take this man to the blue spot." And off they go, you know. And and. They get to that play, and then obviously Rita Wilson tries to sleep with him, which you know ain't gonna happen. But and Colin Hanks has a cameo in it as well. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people he's worked for. Like I mean, even though it's even though he he worked more with his brother, but you get you get um, Ron Howard's brother in Clint, this. Yeah. Clint, yeah, thank you. You had Clint Howard in this, but yeah, you got Colin. You get. There's a couple Hanks in this movie, actually. Elizabeth Hanks, but no Chet. Hmm. Chet is the one that, like, oh, it's that son. Sorry, he's the one who, Chet. Like, <laughs> it's Chester, but, I like, know. he's yeah. the one who, like, claims that he came from, like, the rough streets of L.A., and he's, like, a gangsta rapper, and it's yeah. like... It's like, dude, you're you're Tom Hanks' side. Like, what <laughs> what rough streets are you think you're yeah, from? Yeah, you you and Rita, Rita and Tom. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the rough. You streets. grew up on a street, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> and that was called in your world. That was a driveway. Like, calm your titties. Like, yeah. Chet. <laughs> um, uh, 
What do you think about the uh, dad coming around by the end of it? It was nice. Uh, yeah. You know, there are movies that kind of, like I said, like about Rockstar, like paint by numbers. Yeah. You kind of expect that where like, you know, the conflict to have like resolution. It was slightly disappointing that that was not a thing between the two of them. That's what I was going to say. You never see them talk about it. The last but, conversation they have is go bang on your bongo drums, you know, and and blah blah blah, you know, whatever. Right. So, so it is what it is. It, um, I will bring up the bass player for a second. Uh, Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry actually came forward and said, "Oh, I gave him a name. I named him Tobias because, of course, he's totally a fucking Tobias, and I had his last name be Player, so his name is Tobias Player. Well, he is." TV player. Well, okay, maybe he said that somewhere, but not on any of the extras that are on. Yeah, on the movie. I think they did like a like a reunion, and he came forward and said that like on well, stage. The, re- the reunion one. Okay, maybe that reunion because there's been two reunions. So the one reunion's on the disc. He doesn't say that. Maybe on the later one he did, on the the more yeah. recent one. But uh, he was 17 when they shot that movie. I'm sure everybody was relatively young. No, but I mean, he was young comparatively. Like Tom Everett Scott, let's see, he's came out in. He's got. He would probably be in his like early to mid twenties. I think it came out in ninety seven. Is it? Let me see. Release date ninety six. Ninety six. So presumably they shot it in ninety early ninety six. Actually, no. Tom talks about when they shot it. They shot it in ninety five. So they shot ninety five. He would have been twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I. I liked uh, the underlying thing that no one really, it's not stated, but I'm of the opinion that the bass player, when they give like the epilogue of what they're, what they went on to do, he becomes like a contractor in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. He's clearly a fan of Disneyland. I think he's a contractor for Disney World. It's possible. Sure. Yeah, that's how that's how I, I even I was like, of course, he winds up in fucking Orlando. He might have actually helped based on the years. He might have actually helped. No, Disney World is 50 years this year. Yeah, he could have helped build Disney yeah, World. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Go him if it, if, if that's what happened, you know. So. Right. There's uh, there's only two movies that I know of that, like, talk about very tongue in cheek Disney World before Disney World was a thing. Like, obviously, Disney World was a thing. Yeah. But, like, there's a there's a Sinatra film set in Florida where his whole thing is he has this idea of making a Disneyland in Florida. And this movie came out in, like, 57, before Walt Disney World in Florida was a thing. So I'm pretty sure Disney was like, that's a fucking great idea. We're going to move this shit over here. <laughs> I mean, they could have, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh Let's. I, I the only other thing that I can think of of like that thing you do, and it kind of goes with the majority of like I, I forgot to mention pirate radio, but like the attire, the clothes, all these sixties clothes yeah. are so fucking great. Like the bright oh, yeah. colors, yeah, yeah. Um, and Steph pointed out for like pirate radio specifically, it's like all these bright colors are so needed because what two years previously, everybody's like wearing like fucking gray and black and white. Like mm. it's very, they all look like Ken Branagh. So like yeah, now everybody's yeah. like wearing fucking bright goddamn red. I was like, Oh, the sixties was 
fucking Ken, magical. Ken Brenn actually has a, a line in that movie that we didn't talk about that I wanted to touch on very, very briefly. And it's early on when he first meets with his like subgroup after he meets with the prime minister. And they're talking about getting rid of pirate radio. And the one guy's like, well, they're not actually technically doing anything illegal. And that's when you get the line from the drop that I mentioned earlier. But he goes, and also, let's talk about that haircut. Let's talk about making that illegal as well. You don't yeah. like my haircut? Nobody likes it, apart from blind people. And even they can tell how hideous it is. Like, <laughs> Says the guy rocking a fucking Hitler stash. Well, that was kind of my point for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that thing you do, I highly recommend it if you like if you and and if you're not a music lover like I am, then then I, I I'm with Rico. Watch the theatrical cut. But if you're a music uh, absorber and you just want to know all things, then the extended cut's worth the watch. Um, One final uh, actor in oh, that thing you do. Okay, yeah. What do you got? Bill Bill Cobbs. Oh, the guy that plays Dell. Yeah. Yeah. Who will forever always even more be confused with Bill Cosby? Uh. This poor bastard. Because he, I think even in that thing you do, he was known as William Cobbs. Oh, uh, maybe. But I now, don't know. I've seen this guy periodically in like random ass fucking movies and shows. And like he's in Demolition Man. He's in. Oz oh, that's right. He's Powerful. the he's the grown up version of the, the that's who that. Okay. Yeah. He's Zachary Lamb. Yeah. All right. Uh, he, but like this poor bastard, like he, the fact that he also kind of res- slightly resembles Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. Slightly. Help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That poor bastard. All right. Let's let's move on to uh, Almost Famous. All right. So shall we move on to the 70s? And yes. Yes. And Hold me closer, Tony Danza. Yeah. I still I, prefer those lyrics. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, <sighs> I I really enjoy Almost Famous. That it almost took number one for me. I I dig the crap out of this movie. I love the the perspective of coming from William Miller. I love the interaction with Penny Lane. Um. Mm. You know, I like the whole concept of band aid versus groupie. Um, I think that's that's huge. Um, you know, despite his shortcomings, I'm even a huge fan of Russell Russell. You know, Russell Hammond, because um, he definitely has them. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, they all do to some degree. The band, the band members, but you know. You you really shouldn't expect any like band from the seventies, fiction or not, to not have shortcomings in any way. I I would even stretch that into eighties, nineties, and aughts. Like I don't think it really matters. You know what I right. mean? Like even the guys in in that thing you do, which was late sixties, Jimmy was not perfect by any means. It was a different kind of thing, but Jimmy was yeah. no better. You know, so it's true. Um. I see one. I had never seen Almost Famous until like it was. It was you and Dustin. You really like pushed for me to watch it. Oh, after we did the soundtracks episode 
like episode four or something that like gets way back yeah way back early it was like high top top five or something like that yeah high five top five and i, I used that title because of the top five thing from high fidelity like that's right yeah because we included that so this t- i i guess this is technically the second episode of us doing a deep dive of high fidelity i felt like we spent way. more time on the soundtrack than we did on the the movie itself though so that's yeah. true that's very true um what i don't know if you remember but like Dustin basically uh, told me, like, oh, dude, you need to see Almost Famous. Like, Kate Hudson's naked through the entire thing. She's doing blow off guys' Would, dicks. Yeah, that's that's not accurate. I mean, you definitely see no, her titties. No, it's not accurate. Point. He yeah. was saying it to fuck with me. Oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched it. I was like, you fuckers lied to me. It's not like that's the only reason I'm going to watch it. But I'm like, I mean, that's that's an interesting incentive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, what the fuck? What what did I watch like the wrong version? You're like, no, no, it's there there and correct me if I'm wrong, there are two versions. There is a bootleg cut what's called the bootleg cut, um, which you may remember, and I don't remember what episode it's on because it was a pre topic rant that I went on, but I bought the bootleg cut and got rid of my theatrical cut, not realizing it didn't have both on there. Right. And it's to your point of with going back to that thing you do, the bootleg cut, which I guess is essentially a director's cut, is makes the movie worse. Mm. It is it is not as good as the theatrical <clears throat> cut. Now the version I own now, because for the twentieth anniversary a couple years ago, they put out a four K with both versions in the same package. So now mm-hmm. I own both, and for the purposes of today, I watch the theatrical. But you know there is. The, yeah, the, and I and I think I will go back and watch the bootleg again. Like I didn't watch it after the first time I saw it because I was so angry that there was not the theatric, like that I that I lost the one that I loved. Mm-hmm. That I just was like, "Fuck this movie! I'm never watching it again." You know, <laughs> um, meaning the bootleg version. You know that with right. you know. Um, but now that I have both, I think I think I will go back and watch it again to see the differences and see if maybe I have a different perspective. You know what I mean? So. And I'm 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 positive I saw just a theatrical cut. I don't know if I've ever seen a bootleg edition. So like that was something that I would be curious about. Um, but I'm I, not. You're I'm not have clambering to, for it. You'd have to buy it. I don't think you oh, can sure. see it on on like a like a, a HBO Prime. Max or a, it might it might be on Prime. I would not stun me if it was on Prime. But you'd have to pay. I for don't it. know if it would be called the bootleg edition. It'd probably be called like the director's cut or the extended cut or something like that. Uh, well, no, because Cameron Crowe was real big on calling it the bootleg cut. Like that's a that was a big deal to him. So you might actually find it that way. On I'm looking for you, buddy. I got you. No, no, um, it's fine. I'm looking up something else. Uh, did you ever find the origin I, of Bobby or Bob's your uncle? By the way, you said you were going to look the origin up, and then you never I, said anything. I looked it up, and it really kind of didn't give me a full uh, thing. It just says uh, definition of of and Bob's your uncle is used to say that something is easy to do or use. Okay. So, like, just complete the form, pay the fee, and Bob's your uncle. So, it, it's. <sighs> It doesn't really give me the origin, but I could just like dig a little deeper, so to speak. Um, I'll just go on Wikipedia as long as we're talking about this. So Bob's your uncle is a phrase commonly used in the United Kingdom. Uh, that means and there it is and there you have it or it's done. Typically, someone says it to conclude a set of simple instructions or when a result is reached. The meaning is similar to that of the French expression. Et voilà. 
or the American easiest pie or piece of cake. Okay, so, so essentially what I said it was, you know. But the long, ver- so there's actually a longer version. There, there's an extended cut of uh, Bob's your uncle. Uh, Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your aunt. Meaning, and there you are, or it's not easy, or after that, it's done, and after that. So uh, one variant is Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your granny. Which, here's the other thing. Fanny, in, in English parlance, means vagina. So Bob's your uncle and pussy's your aunt. Okay. that. And I've always looked at the expression as Bob's your uncle as kind of dirty in a roundabout way. Like, it just, to me, it just seems like someone's blowing their uncle. Like, because bobbing, sort of, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, it's just a fucking dirty-ass um, phrase. Like, and there it is. Okay. Um, real quick, bootleg is only available on this, but you can get it for DVD for six bucks on Prime if you're uh, if you're that interested. So it's not expensive. Listen, um, I, that, what I was looking up before we went to Bob's Your Uncle uh, is Cameron Crow is one of those fucking writers that I've thoroughly enjoyed. I think he's a fucking great screenwriter. Doesn't necessarily mean I love all his movies, sure, but he writes dialogue and situations exceptionally well um going go i mean even though i haven't seen say anything once i realized during this conversation I'm like oh he did write and directed say anything. yeah i i that, don't that made me more interested in that and be like oh i'll i'll check it out well yeah um i mean i'm looking at his writing credits the only things that i've seen besides almost famous is i saw did he say anything i did see fast times and I have seen uh, where'd it go? I just lost it. Oh, uh, Jerry yeah. Maguire. Now I think I think I saw Vanilla Sky once, but I don't remember it. So that's the one where I'm like, I'm not a big fucking fan of that one. But I, and even though I'm not a sports guy, I thoroughly love the dialogue of Jerry Maguire. Uh, Jerry Magu- Jerry Maguire is is. It's one of those movies that I'm like, I really want to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in like yeah, 20 Jeremy years. Maguire. Yeah, I I think I told the story about showing it to my aunt, didn't I? That I don't remember that one. I I was I was I was recovering from surgery for my disability, and I had to go to PT every day for like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And my aunt lived closer to the PT place than I did, so my mom shipped me up there for a week and a half because with her work schedule, it just made more sense. And then my aunt was taking me to and from. And we're we're watching, um, <laughs> we're doing movie night one night, and I I picked out Jerry Maguire because as a whole, it's not terrible. You know what I mean? For, no. And my, and my aunt was in her 70s at that point, or 60s, I guess. Um, and she was more like a grandmother to me than an aunt anyway, but that's a different discussion. And, um, (laughs) but I forgot about the one sex scene at the Mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Kelly Preston. Yeah. That, that didn't go very well. The rest of the movie went over fine, but that one scene. Yeah. I remember watching Jerry Maguire probably when I was roughly the same age as the fucking kid from Jerry Maguire. Okay. Or maybe a little older, but not much. Of and course. My, yeah. It was my mom, my grandma, and I. And I don't think mom had seen it. It was She didn't, like, proof it. Sure. And the part where, like, the the athlete is in the hospital in the beginning and, like, the son confronts Jerry Maguire yeah. and says, like, this is his, like, fourth concussion. What are you going to do? And 
Jerry just kind of talks off the kid and just be like, oh, you know, your your dad's a fucking giant. Nothing could stop him and blah, blah, blah. Just basically being a shitty, sleazy fucking agent. And the kid just like looks at him and just goes, fuck you. And then like turns and runs away. And that, of course, is the 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 catalyst that makes Jerry Maguire right. change. Right, right, right. I remember vividly my my grandma inhaling and like with like shock, like like at this like she had let out yeah. this fucking sound that was like such deep shock of seeing a eleven year old tell a grown up "fuck you" and she's like mm, that sound effect will stay with me forever every time I watch there it. There you go. But um, I like Cameron Crow, and I and I think Almost Famous is. Clearly, it's autobiographical. Oh yeah, well, but it, but it is, but it's also a lot of it's um, twisted. Yes, it, it's it, semi-fictional. It's, it's semi-autobiographical. Sem- that's yes, that's what I was just gonna say. It's semi-autobiographical. So yeah, because there are definitely aspects of him that it 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 fits in very. But like Stillwater is apparently an amalgamation of like three bands that he dealt with when he was writing for Rolling Stone. It's not one. It's not a ripoff of one direct group. It's the Almond Brothers. It's it could be the Who. Based on what I'm reading, it's Zeppelin. It's Zeppelin. The, the what I'd heard was Zeppelin, the Almond Brothers, and a little bit of Neil Young. It's what I'd heard. There, okay. Uh, well, it says Crow was in a near fatal plane crash while traveling with the Who. So that, that might be the scene, no. But I'm saying the yeah that scene might come from the Who. The the time with the Who, but the 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 band Stillwater itself is an amalgamation of three three groups. And Russell Hammond is partially based on Glenn Frey of Fry. The fucking e- Fry? Fry, yeah. Okay. Well, the, the motherfucker from the fucking Eagles, man. Yeah, I could see that being Glenn Fry. I could see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Which <laughs> I want to know if him losing his virginity to three fucking band aids. I think is, it was it, more than three. You see three dancing around him, but I think I, 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 and I'm not including Penny. I, before you think that she I left, think, she walked out of the room. Yeah, I think it was five total band aids. Well, when he wakes up, I think there's only three women in the room with him. In the room, yes, but the one, the one, the one that says she can see her aura is purple is walking down the, the hallway with the bass player, and she gives him that look like, hey. So yeah, she was definitely involved in that, and then I think she went over and fucked the bass player next. Like she just traveled. Fucking, I wonder what her aura fucking looks like. <laughs> I look, and, it's and see, also purple, but that's different. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I talked over you. Say that again. I said it's also purple, but it, that's for different reasons. So. Right. Uh, that see, just like I was talking about earlier with Pirate Radio, I'm like, this is one of those scenes where I'm like, listen. It's kind of a double standard where it's like, hey, good job, kid, for fucking like three fucking groupies or band-aids or whatever what you want to call them. But I'm at the same time, it's like, ew, like you're he's 15. Like it's they don't know that. Now. Around, they you know that. No, they don't know that. The only person who knows he's 15, the only person who knows he's 15 to that point is Penny. And there's no guarantee she told them. The only person who knows for a fact how old he is is Penny Lane. That's probably true, but at the same time, he looks like he's 
No, he looks young. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing that fact. I'm telling you from a who knows what perspective. The only person who knows to that point is Penny. Sure. It's just and and look again. It's the seventies and like clearly no one gave a fuck. And but I'm and, saying if that scene was gender flipped, everybody would have given a fuck. I, I here's the big difference though between the two scenes you're referring to, and I and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I think there is a distinct difference between the two, right? Mm-hmm. They they strip him for sure, but he's not necessarily he's not fighting them because he doesn't want to do it. He's fighting them because he has to write his thing. Like, right. if if they had pulled off or they were trying to pull off in pirate radio, that would have been flat out assault. If he mm-hmm. had been like, "No, I don't want to do this. I don't want to," you know, then it'd be a whole different ball game. You know what right. I mean? He didn't exactly push them off, and even so much so that <laughs> while he doesn't brag about it, when they're in the limo in New York, Russell says to him. Well, what do you think? We showed you America. We did everything but get you laid. And he just kind of sits there and gets that smirk on his face and stares out the window. And they go, really? You know, like, and he just kind of laughs and shrugs it off. So, like, I think I think it would be, it, 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 it's not, it's not because he's a guy that it makes a difference. It's because he doesn't fight it off. You know what I mean? It, it's, you're not wrong. It, it's one of those high five moments. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 very. I I do believe that if it was if it was gender flipped, it would have been not a very. I think good it, scene. I think it depends if if she was. If three fucking guy guys roughly the same age on a 15 year old girl. Yeah, but yeah, I I'll tell you right now. If all the rest of the movie, the context was the same, right? Mm-hmm. All the rest of the movie, the only thing we're doing is gender flipping the the persons involved. Mm-hmm. I think I'd have the same feeling on it in the fact that they didn't know. Do you know what I'm saying? If it, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it's equally as creepy gender, no matter what the genders are That's because of the saying. age thing. But what, but the difference, but what I'm just doing is comparing pirate radios scene yeah. to this scene. And that's drastically different from one another. Oh no. I think the scene in pirate radio is, is more uh, damaging. Yes. If it had gone that route, if it was, if they, if they, if they seated, if they had climaxed, yes, yes, yes. yeah. So if, if, if you know, and also for the record, that would not have. She would, <laughs> she would have been like, "What happened to your fat? She get the fuck off." Well, me. and that, and that, I mean, not to get back to that movie, but that was Carl's point from the whole beginning. Was he was like, "What? She's How gonna are we going to do this?" Yeah, she's going to know the difference. Yeah, so I mean. Anyway. Look, in terms of like, I'm not trying to make it be like, uh, I I hated almost famous people for that scene. I was just kind of like, Ugh. I mean, it it honestly remind me of there's there's a fucking South Park did a whole fucking thing where like, I mean, this is the extreme measure, sure, sure. but they were ta- they were making a whole commentary about all these like news reports where like students were fucking their teachers. And Kyle's little I think, brother. I think I've either saw that one or saw scenes. I, I I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. So Kyle's little brother Ike, who's like an infant, yeah, fucks his hot female teacher, 
And everybody's talking and like goes on a whole relationship with like they're sharing the bath together. They're doing it frequently. And she's the one who's just like, you're such a genius and you're so mature for your age. And this is illegal. And I don't know if we should do this, but oh my God, you're so sensitive. Like just making it way more of a bigger deal than it should be. And everybody, like the kids are like, this is not okay. Like this is a grown woman fucking a baby. And every male that they bring that up to, they all go, wait that teacher you know like mrs thompson nice that, that's the reaction is like nice like they're not looking at it as what it is they're just like yeah man high five like good for yeah, you for fucking yeah. her no i i get it you know i mean like yeah, if it was the other way around if it was a you know a good looking oh. 20 you know 30 year old teacher fucking a little girl Everybody would have flipped the fuck out. Oh, it, yeah. There's a, there's definitely in that general sense. There's a huge double standard, but that's that's a that's a whole different conversation for a different day. I mean, that's you never see a <laughs> just once. I'd like to see a movie where like the women do what the what we've seen in movies and shows all the time, where it's like you know, woman goes home to her roommates or her friends and says, "Hey, man." I got laid last night. They're like, fuck yeah! And high five. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did he that pussy just once? I was like, did he fucking treat you right? Did he cuddle? Did he fucking cuddle? <laughs> fuck yeah, man! Right, right. That's no, what I want to see. In a fucking I hear movie. you. Um, but no, I, I liked almost. I I like that kid, uh, Patrick uh, Fugit. Yeah, I like. I like it. I've seen him. He was in an episode of House not long after that that he was really good in. Um, he was in Gone Girl, which That's I was right. like, "Holy fuck, it's him!" That's right. I it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, you're right. He plays one of the fucking deputies with mm-hmm. like that are like they first go to his house when mm-hmm. fucking what's her fuck disappears. Um, at this point, she might as well be fucking Amber Heard. Like I know it's Rosamund Pike, but like <laughs> the correlation of, and the similarities are like, oh fuck, she. Anyways, um, I think Francis McDormand is fucking oh, amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read that Cameron Crowe purposely was trying to get for her to not meet his actual mother, who she, obviously she's based on. Like, he just, he kept them away. And then he, like, walked away for, like, five minutes. And then they found each other. We're having lunch together. I was like, oh, that's a great goddamn that's, scenario. That is funny, yeah. Um, this is my first exposure to Billy Crudup as well. And and I, I good, bad, or indifferent, every time I see him after that, I always compare it to Russell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I always compare it back to, like, I, when he was, you know, in Big Fish, I was like, okay, he was good, but he's not as good as he is in Almost Famous. When I saw him in Mission 3, okay, he's good, but he's not as good as he is in Almost Famous. When I saw him in in uh, Watchmen, it's like, okay, he's good, but he's not as good as in, you know. Oh, that giant blue dick. I mean, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you understand why Penny was all about him at that point, but shit. I mean, you know? he, he said, I am a golden god. He just got the color wrong. Which, by the way... And I did not have the time to research this, but Kerrang! Magazine, it, which mm-hmm. is a metal magazine. Now, I understand Stillwater's not metal, but you have to think about the time and do some adjustments, right? Right. Have an award called the Golden Gods Award, and I've always wondered if they took that from that, oh, probably. From that scene. So, <clears throat> um, I was never 
the biggest Billy Crudup fan. Um, I don't think he's a bad actor. It's just he was never on my radar. I think, I mean, I saw Big Fish, obviously, before I saw Almost Famous, because I saw Almost Famous roughly four years ago. Right, okay. Um, so I didn't even know he was in the fucking flick. Um, I More recently, I knew him as fucking Barry Allen's dad in, like, the Snyderverse. Yes, and he did a good job there, too. I forgot about that, but yeah. Very he, reserved. I mean, he's not, there's only so much he could do where he's sure. just, like, talking through glass. At, sure. You know, fucking... Even the extended cut of that movie is not... There's not much more going on. Uh, he's good in Spotlight. I I, I liked him in that. I didn't um, see Spotlight, so Spotlight's good, man. No, it's, I, I've heard touched, that. I just yeah. It, it's if you like journalism movies, it's it's decent. But what I and I I mean I I saw him in Watchmen. I didn't know he was the dude in Watchmen because Dr. I had to rewatch Watchmen yeah. years later when you and I did it. But I will say one of the few times where i was like okay he fucking nailed it he played j edgar hoover in public enemies i didn't see that yet yeah and he fucking was spot on like okay got got the cadence of of j edgar and he was fine in mission three you know he was he was fine in that Um, i you know you know what's funny about him in mission three real quick is that i i didn't like him in mission three but then when you realize what his character actually is in mission three it becomes more likable like in the beginning he's he's not very good but like once you realize what he's actually what the character is actually doing then it makes sense the way he's performing it if that right you know so um and I thought he was fine in Almost Famous. I, that whole scene of I am a golden god has been oh, yeah. replicated. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But never to the exact moment. Like, there's a part... I don't even... I, you know, now I think about it. There's... Did you see uh, Take Him to the Greek? Or Get Him no. to the Greek? No. You really might like Get Him to the Greek. Because it's kind of... It's very similar to Almost Famous, where it's like... There's this young kid basically although he's not a kid he's 25 touring with one lone rock star and like trying to keep him in check and there's a scene towards the end like russell brand yeah it's russell brand i think i saw it i might have seen it once yeah well it's a spinoff of forgetting sarah marshall so he's playing the same rocker character that he plays in forgetting Mm. sarah marshall i yeah I, i just don't remember i might have seen it out of the two, you you probably would like him to the and honestly, I like him to the Greek way more than forgetting. And Sarah I've Marshall. seen forgetting Sarah Marshall. That I know I've seen, and it was okay. Yeah, I I honestly think you'll like him to the Greek because it's one the it, you it's absolutely believable that Russell Brand is a British fucking drug addicted rock star. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've seen him play that role, not just in those two films, but like I he. he He's supposed to be from L.A., but you'll see in a movie we're going to be doing soon that he plays the same kind of role, but he doesn't yeah. hide his accent at all. Right. So, I don't know if he can. Well, yeah, he may not be able to, but so, yeah, you'll you'll see it. But but also, the his I don't say this that often, but Russell Brand has got a set of pipes. Like, he can really oh, fucking sing. No, I know, I know that, because he, again, and the thing that I'm trying not to say... Coming soon, yeah. He, he he has to sing, and you hear it's actually him, and you hear it. So yeah, I I give him that. I won't lie. I have songs from Get Him to the Greek, like on my fucking playlist. There you go. Like, there you go. They're and they're super fucking catchy. So I honestly think you should check it out. Um, but there's a part where he like is standing over a pool and drunk and on drugs, and 
makes a whole you know proclamation. I don't remember if he says I'm a golden god, but he does the same thing, which is jump in the pool, but he fucks up and like his arm smacks the side of the pool. Oh, and breaks and whatever. It, it breaks and the bones yeah. going through and and he's, just, and he's still fucked up. He's just like, hey, so I know I got to go do the show, but like I'm bleeding a lot right now and like we need to take care of this you know you know what's funny about the golden god scene is and and, and he does say it so i'm not proclamating that that's inaccurate because he absolutely says that but the key there is he says and tell rolling stone my last words were i'm on drugs and that should really be i think that was russell's like where he wanted the focus to be and it ended up being the Golden God line instead. So much so that I think they he I honestly feel like he changed the the scene at the end during the fact check, right? To talk about that part instead. Do you know what I mean? But well, they Mike, deni- I mean they denied everything. No, but he, but at one point the bass player says to him, he goes, "Russell, this kid's got you on a fan's house screaming, I'm a Golden God,' and instead of I'm on drugs, right? You know, so because." People expect rock musicians to be on drugs, right? They, but them having the giant ego and calling themselves a golden god doesn't look as good. No, no. But I mean, it's also, like, hey, man, you you can be on heroin, but don't have an ego. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you got to you got to admit these guys really didn't do much beyond drinking in this film that we saw, which is really saw. surprising. Well, well, I, I mean, mean, I, I mean, Ellis, I mean, they did acid. And that's why he was doing that. He, he was drinking a red cup full of acid. Okay, but I'm saying he's not there doing lines of blow, and he's, you know, to the point that you said that Dustin said to you, you know what I mean? And he's not, they're not doing heroin, and they're they're not even really smoking weed. You know what I mean? They're, they're really they're just... talking about a lot. All the characters are talking about weed a lot. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's also something really interesting, is that the majority of these movies, Actually, Rockstar... Also- one time you see the, the manager hit a bong that's the, true at the riot house the first party that they show yeah that is true. but you would think for all these movies that one are set in the 70s or the 80s or the 60s you would expect to see a lot of fucking drugs actually i think the most drug use you get in any of the films is in rockstar which but you're not seeing lines of blow or you know i think like, i think you do see one line of blow and you see the one e pill i think there is one line of blow in there yeah and it's implied that he's drunk but like it's not like or when, when he, she confronts him like he's definitely drunk he's but fucked you're not up you don't know go through that downward spiral of yeah like you see in every fucking other musical biopic where they're just constantly crushing lines and fucking pounding yeah. you know like the whole movie of the doors with Val Kilmer is just him singing, him acting like Jim Morrison, and him fucking doing tons of booze and and all this other shit. Right, right. No, and I, I mean I like that though. They're focusing more on the important part, which to me is the music, not the drugs. I mean, it's you know true, but like even the character in Pirate Radio, the guy who is the dad ultimately, the fucking Bob. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's like, where the fuck? Is, who are you? Like, how come we've never seen you? It's like, oh, well, I've been listening to music and a lot of drugs, mostly. It's like, like they're t- all these movies talk about drugs for the most yeah. part. Yeah, very rarely ever seen, which is sort of surprising. I was expecting a lot of drugs in Rockstar and Almost Famous. Like, yeah. I expected copious 
amounts of piles of cocaine from movies that are set in the 80s and 70s. Muddy, especially the 80s. Muddy Waters rocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so the line, we're like, I'm on drugs. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, he's drinking. I mean, like, he's drinking Jack Daniels from the bottle like you and I would drink a soda. Like, he's just... You know, and I'm not talking like a like a, a fifth. He's got he's got like a liter bottle. He's just he's got a magnum, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I this is another one of those movies that's like kind of a who's who of who becomes famous and shit. Like, or who, they're already famous, but like, oh, good, they're in this movie too. Like Faruza Balk. Yep. She needs to fucking do more work, man. She's and, always yeah. she's always good. Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Uh, she. I mean, Jesus Christ, she was probably the only Oscar winner at that time. What Out of the, the entire Oscar? cast, what she won an Oscar for fucking uh, the, the, um, the piano. Oh, okay. She yeah. won an Oscar like 11 years old or some ridiculous shit. The only thing I knew her from beyond this at that point was X-Men. Yeah. You know, and I didn't watch True Blood because I know she was on that, but I didn't watch it, so... She's great in True Blood. I no, like I've True heard Blood. that. No, I've heard nothing but positive things. But well, yeah. no, there there's some negative seasons here and there. Don't get it no, 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 no. But I, I meant about her performance in oh, it. Yeah. it. Yeah, her accent gets a little <laughs> her accent gets a little all over the place, but not nearly as much as the everybody else. Well, I mean, you want to talk about accent? Same thing with go back to Rockstar. Like Izzy can't hold that accent to save his goddamn life. You oh, know? he totally just drops it. Yeah, like but, I guess it's Izzy, like Izzy American, Izzy British. But to, but to be <laughs> But to be fair, he is he's American to begin with. Like he's putting on the fake accent because of what they're trying to portray with the band. So yeah, but then he completely obliterated. I think honestly, there was like a there there. It's almost implied there was another scene where they're like, "Hey, like, look, man, like we're British, so you just don't don't even bother." Like I did, you know I did. I, I know we're jumping around, but I did like the scene, the part in that same press conference where he's like, "So how did you get your voice to do that?" And he's like, "Oh, my vocal coach, blah 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 blah." And the bass player, the bass player kicks in. He goes, "He eats a lot of pussy," <laughs> you know. And then and then he's practicing that in the mirror later that night, and Aniston finally goes, "Either get in here and do it, or shut up." Honestly, that was one of the best fucking parts. And I was like, you didn't see... Rachel never said that shit to fucking Ross. No, no, she did if not. If she did, Ross would have fucking, like, not have gone on that goddamn break. That's damn right. Um. Anyway, I, ju- I just had to touch on that real quick. But yeah, I I, I, I think... I mean, Anna I, Paquin, Farusa Balk. Yeah. Uh, Bijou Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, fucking Jay Baruchel. Yeah, the fucking the the kid who's obsessed with uh Zeppelin, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's um, that's somebody else, I think. No, Jay Bell shows the kid from like he's from all those like Seth Rogen comedies. He's like the skinny Canadian fuck, right? Yeah, he's the one who's like the Uber fan. Yeah, yeah. No, of- I know, I know who you're referring to. I just don't, I just don't know uh what's uh what his name. I was trying to confirm his name for you. The character's name or the actor's name? The actor. Jay Baruchel. Okay. Yeah. I I think I was getting I was getting him confused with somebody else. That's my fault. Um yeah, he, he was all like he's the same he's been a lot of Seth Rogen comedies and he was also like in Million Dollar Baby, who was like the mentally challenged kid who's like, 
I'm going to be a great boxer. And yeah, then he gets I, the I, shit kicked out of him by Falcon. I, um, you know, Polly Perrette. I need to have, I need to double check who Polly Perrette is. In in the movie, she's the female DJ that Lester Bangs is talking to when he's sitting outside the window. Oh, but she's okay. really well known for NCIS. She spent like 15 years on there as Abby Shudo. Is that who that fucking is? That's who that is. Yeah. Oh shit! I've never seen her not be in that. Not be attire. Abby Shudo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I I thought the same thing, and I've yeah. Holy so, shit! I need to like. Rain Wilson's in this. Yes, for a scene, Rain Wilson. No, he's in a couple scenes. He's in a couple well, scenes. More prominently shown on his face. He's, it really does a close-up of his face in one scene. No, I was like, holy fuck, it's the there, office. There's at least three scenes where you really get a good good look at him. Um, Jimmy Fallon fucking randomly is shit, and I have to admit he was pretty fucking good. He was. I did love the scene. I did love the joke he makes, though. That joke cracks me up every fucking time I hear it. I know it's coming. It still cracks me up. About fucking Mick Jagger? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. If there's ever been like a, a thing that has been so disproven, he's like, you know, Mick Jagger's never gonna fucking do it. It's like, dude, Mick Jagger has never stopped. Well, I think that that's that was the paid. that's the point of the joke. That's right. the thing you're missing. That's the point of the joke. That's I why it. I I get the joke, but it's like, like I at the time that this movie came out, I think he was well into his fifties. Like that's why, because he says, "You think you think he's you think Mick Jagger's gonna be out there being a rock star at fifty? You're sadly mistaken, and he's well beyond it at that point." You know, so um, uh, another one you got here is Zoe Deschanel. I was gonna bring her up, and if there's <laughs> if there's ever a role that defines <laughs> Zoe, is it Zoe or Zooey? Because I've heard it pronounced both. I think it's Zoe, but I'm not gonna argue with you. It's yeah. spelled Zooey. It is, but I think I think it's pronounced. I, I've always thought it was pronounced Zoe, but again, I'm not going to argue. That's not really important enough to me. <laughs> but if there's ever a thing that's like that is the ultimate Deschanel role that like would be closely identified because she's she frequently plays those that type of role, which is like yeah, New Girl's kinda... not very different from what I understand. I haven't watched enough of it to say, but you know which one, New Girl. Oh, I haven't seen any of New Girl. Yeah. Um. This is I I didn't notice this in the movie itself, but Mitch Hedberg as the Eagles road manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even know Mitch Hedberg was in movies. It, well, it's it, it, it's a it's a in and out kind of scene. Like he's not the same thing. I mean, Peter Frampton's got a bit of a bigger role, but that's it. And it's only in the they're both they're both only in the scene. If I'm correct, they're only in the scene where they're doing the uh, road manager poker party. Where where mm-hmm. they do the bet to send Penny Lane with humble pie, so it's I not it's not a big it's not a big role. It might be it's him, but it's not a big role. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. I guess I was under the delusion that Mitch Hedberg died earlier than I thought because like he didn't he wasn't like in a lot of movies and shit, and he died pretty. I mean, he died in two thousand five. Yeah, I was gonna, <clears throat> age thirty seven. Thirty seven in Livingston, New Jersey. Yeah, I know. Just goes to show nothing good happens in North Jersey. Um, uh, Mark Marin was in this as yeah, well. That's the one that, that surprised me. Oh uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking at this cast and it's like it's a it's cast- a heavy yeah. I mean it's a heavy hitting cast. It was nice at this point when I first saw this movie though. I got to say it was nice to see Jason Lee do something other than uh, a Smith movie. 
Because everything I'd seen yeah. him in, it was either ban- he was either Banky or you know Brody, Brody you know, and or Azriel, you know, because mm-hmm. I think Dogma had already come out at that point. Like I'd only ever seen him be in Kevin Smith movies, I'd, and 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 I and I think he'd maybe done an episode or two of. Let me see what year this is before I lie. Uh, no, he hadn't even done My Name Is Earl yet. I don't think so. He he was. I mean, he hadn't done this yet, but he was doing like. He he for a brief period he was like given like his own movies to like do shit and like he was in a piece of shit movie called Stealing Harvard. Mm. Uh he was in a p he was in one called A Guy Thing and I was like okay he's fine in it it's it's but like yeah I was glad that Jason Lee was actually doing something different and and he completely I mean he changed everything he he got a lot of recognition for The Incredibles yeah yeah no he did i i did forget about that yeah he did do that but that's still there i mean not not to take away from voice actors because you know i respect the shit out of that but it's very different hearing a voice than seeing a performance and true the only time i had seen him perform on screen was in the smith movies up to this point so so there's a project that has never happened but there's a book called this is unrelated to almost famous except for the fact the inclusion of Jason Lee. So just bear with me, okay? Okay. There's a book called uh It's Kind of a Funny Story. That's been made into a movie. The author wrote an earlier book, and I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but the author's name was Ned Vizzini. And he unfortunately suffered from depression so much that he ultimately did kill himself. And he oh. killed himself in a fucking horrific way like he jumped off his parents roof and he was like you know grown he was like you know 35 or whatever and you know had you know a kid and was married and you know was finally seeing some success and just the depression took him but this is way back in the myspace era where he was doing like a q a on his on his myspace page and i was a part of it and i asked him like i was a real big fan of his of this particular uh, book that he did. And I need to, I need to fucking get it right because it's, it's well worth a read, but it's all about this teenager who gets this, uh, this, this computer chip that uh, goes into his system and it teaches him how to be cool. And he hears a voice and the voice in the book is exactly like Keanu Reeves. Mm. And he said it was, you know, so you're imagining this character who's a teenager who's learning how to be cool and being coached by Keanu Reeves, essentially. So I asked him, I was like, is there any plans on making this um, into a movie? And he says, yeah. And I was like, is Keanu going to do it? He says, um, maybe not Keanu. And I said, well, who do you see? And he said, Jason Lee. And that's always stuck with me ever since because Jason Lee does have that voice of like, be cool. Yeah. You know, and okay. It's called be more chill. That's the book. It was. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing real quick. I'm not, I don't want to go off a whole tangent, but there's a game out. The, I think you and I've talked about briefly called cyberpunk 2099. Mm-hmm. And or no, I don't think it's 299. It's cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's the important part. And at one point, you end up with a a microchip in your head, and Keanu is that. It it's not this. You're not a high school kid trying to be cool. It's very different. Other other than that, it's very different. But still, all right. Well, 
I found some shit. They made a musical about it. I, I swear, we'll, we'll go back to Almost Famous, but like uh, on October 20th, 2018, it was announced that Sean Levy and Greg Berlanti will team up to produce a film adaptation of both the novel and the musical. Uh, uh, and it was basically acquired by 20th Century Studios, which basically was acquired by Walt Disney Studios. Sure. Um, other film producers who contended for the film rights include Nina Jacobson, Ron Howard, Michael DeLuca, Marty Bowen, Scooter Braun, Jennifer Todd, and Robert Zemeckis. That's an interesting mixture. It's a really interesting mixture. Zemeckis and is the only one that intrigues me, honestly. But Ron Howard, I could see him doing a decent thing, but like, it's. I love that book. Berlanti, I, I Berlanti being involved excites me too. I'm I'm a big Greg Berlanti fan, so right. But I'm worried he's gonna maybe he's gonna kind of see, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the studio that he does for like the Flash and shit. What, what station? Uh, uh, CW. CW. Yeah. I'm worried he's gonna CW the shit out of this book, and it's not a. It's not like a kitschy. No, team. he he's capable of doing. He's. I he, hope so. Yeah, he's capable of. So I think it'll be fine. Keep the soldier look, but add some fucking titties in it, too. I want to get back to the movie, and I want to ask you yes. about a particular character, because I had a feeling that while you would probably like the character, you'd have a you'd have one major issue with him, so I'm curious if I'm right. Okay. The manager, Dick. Uh, Noah Taylor, the British guy? Yeah. Though that's, that's where I thought you might have a problem with it. The band is built from Troy, Michigan. I mean, I never really thought of of the fact that he's a British guy hanging with dudes from Detroit. I mean, I think it just so happened that he probably like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up this way. He strikes me as the guy who is kicked out of his own country. Well, like, okay, so I guess like, that's like, the all question. of was like, get the fuck out, Dick. Well, that's the question. Do you think he is British, the character or, or Noah Taylor just said fuck it about getting about trying to hide his accent? I think the character, uh, it's a good question. Um, I think there have been so many situations in where it displays a band in television and movies where at this point you almost expect the manager or the roadie to be British. It's sort of like, like I've seen it in like Californication. I've seen it. Uh, the fucking dude from, Wayne's World, you know, the, ironically, the fucking the dude for also Bob. Pirate Radio, yeah, yeah, Bob. You at this point, you almost kind of expect it doesn't matter if the fucking band is from Detroit or if they're from England or if they're fr- fucking from Zimbabwe. At this point, I would be very disappointed if the manager or roadie is not British. All right, fair enough. I mean, because at least who's still- going to popularize and control British rockers better than a Brit? Right. I mean, Steel Dragons, at least from England, it seems like. So that made sense for Matt's, you know, to have the British accent or whatever. But so it would have been interesting if they did a flip where it was an American trying to control a British band. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Um, Phil Seymour Hoffman. You put Phil Seymour Hoffman in Rockstar, and he's the one who's trying to control the British band. uh, I love when I love when his sister's like, tell him how old he is. And there's that whole conversation in the car about how old William, William is. Yeah. yeah, I I like this. I like the interactions between William and um, Penny. Oh, uh, they're fantastic, and you can clearly see his. In fact, I don't. I was gonna say infatuation, but that's not the right word because it's genuine feeling that he's developing for Penny. 
Well, know. it starts out as infatuation. I well, yeah, but I th- what 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 love doesn't start off infatuation to some degree? You know what I mean? So, so that's that's what it is. But I'm saying like it definitely becomes uh, a more love kind of thing. Reciprocal. Yeah. Oh no, it's not reciprocal because I don't think she ever. I think she loves him. Not like the way he not loves like her. Him. No. no. And 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 I think you know when she sends um when she she sends Russell to his house in San Diego instead of her house, and Russell's got a great line about it. You know, he goes, "We both wanted to be with her, and she wanted us to be together." Yeah. You know, I I made a joke to Steph. I was like, "He didn't Russ didn't know that Penny was short for penance." Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, Lady but, Goodman. Yeah, that Lady Goodman. Awesome. That's a that's a name to name your fucking kid. Yeah. I would I would name mine fucking <laughs> name Penny Lane too. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but that there's a part where he, she, and he are talking, meaning uh, she and Billy, and he says, "Ask me again." Oh, you so, mean William? I, you said Billy. Yeah, William. I'm sorry, William. Okay. Uh, yeah, about going to Morocco. Yeah. Yeah. And his and he says, "Ask me again." And she asks him again. That was that was Patrick Fugit dropping character and asking her to fucking out give him the feed him the line again because he felt like his delivery wasn't strong. And Cameron Crowe loved it. He's just like, "That's oh no, that's it's it. perfect." Yeah, it, it's it, so yeah. Perfect. You if you hadn't said that, I would have never known. Like that's how well that plays. Yeah. So Be- I hear you. And, the scene where she's like, "How old are we?" And he's just like, "I'm, I'm 17." And well, it starts off, like, "I'm 18." Me too. Yeah. Actually, I'm 17. Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm 16. Me too. I'm 15. Doesn't the truth really sound right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like or something to that effect is what. Yeah. Whereas, like you, you honestly, I, her her age is ambiguous. She yeah. could be 25. She could be 15. I no, I don't think she's that young. If I if, if I was guessing, I think Penny's like somewhere between twenty and thirty, and probably thirty. If it wasn't for the like, the, I mean, she could be. She's. Or you're right. She's not fifteen, but she could be. She could be as young as nineteen. But I think she's yeah, no younger than twenty-two. It could be. I don't think she's any younger than twenty-two, and I think she's closer to thirty than not. Um, Fair enough. Because I think Russell's, if I'm guessing, Russell's 25, 26, 27, somewhere in that window. Well, he looks pretty fucking worse for wear. Well, most musicians do. And, and just like Francis McDormand, don't do drugs! Like, I, I fucking love that. Where, like, everybody, so, not many, but enough characters, like, dude, your mom freaks me out. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's all very, very quickly. The, the first hotel they go to in Tempe. Mm-hmm. The the big guy behind the the counter, he's a, your mother called. Mm-hmm. She freaked me out. He's now hosting a show on Fox called Domino Masters. Well, he was the dude from uh, Modern Family. No, I don't think that's, so. That's the same guy. He plays one of the, the gay, gay guys. I think you got your people I'm confused. Eric something or whatever the fuck? Stone Street. Yeah, that's him. I'll double check, but that's because I remember looking sure. up his credits when I saw him on uh, Domino Master, and he didn't have many credits. 
pretty sure Eric Stone Street. Yeah, let me double check. He's got to be. It's got to be the guy from Modern Family. Yeah, he's Modern Family. It says it right here. He plays a guy named Cameron. All right. Well, anyway, he yeah. he. I never watched Modern Family, so that's probably. I, I've seen some episodes. There, it's it's fine. It's a fine show. I don't. I don't. Um, anybody who fucking has an opinion of it. We are typically very pro-female character on this show. Females in mm-hmm. general, but especially female characters. Mm-hmm. I hated the fact checker at Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, yeah, I wasn't... She became incredibly unlikable She wasn't... I, I don't think I ever liked her. Honestly. Like, I think her first words were very negative and she continued to double down on that negativity. I think she, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing, but I'm also looking at the context. She's a woman in the seventies and she's, I'll give you that. Uh, yeah. She's in a very male driven world for sure. And probably doing something she doesn't want to, she probably wants to be a writer and they got her doing the fact checking. Like that all logically plays out, but it doesn't mean be a, a an angry, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're just perpetuating the stereotype at that point, you know, like, right. I don't know. I, I I just didn't like the character at all. You know, it they they kind of did her dirty. If I'm you know being honest, but after a while, it I understood her point of view. Her her whole point is like, fuck this kid, fuck this band. We've got shit to do. Like we got to push out a fucking issue. So we're gonna do the who or whatever the fuck. Right. Well, and then I mean, and that's because what the band does to her does to him. Right. You know, I I absolutely love the scene. With Feruza Balk and uh, and uh, Billy Crudup after mm-hmm. that, um, where they're they're presumably backstage at Craft Services and they're they're talking and he asks if Penny's okay and then Beruza goes on this whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. like we all know what you did to him, even Penny yeah. Lane, you know, like Feruza Balk definitely not working enough. I I saw someone say like. Fucking have the balls and cast her as the Joker, like not Harley Quinn. Just make her a gender flip Joker. A gender and I'm like, I yeah, I, I could totally see it based on her performance in like the craft. She could totally fucking do it. Yeah, I mean um, she's still acting. She's still acting, but she's not. She her her um, star has dipped a little bit. I mean she was she was in a handful of episodes of Ray Donovan. They just did a craft redo. Was she uh, in the sequel? Craft Legacy, yeah, Nancy Downs. Oh, okay. Well, I that was one I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna see that. She's done I a lot I'm of she's done a lot of TV work, it looks like. Yeah, I'm not saying she's not consistently working. I'm just saying her she was like in American History X, she was in the craft, she was mm-hmm. in this, like it was Waterboy. like Waterboy. Waterboy mm-hmm. was big. I mean What was it? Waterboy. A water boy. I heard war boy. I'm like, what? Um, anything else of uh, almost famous? Uh, not specifically. I want to do the the box. What's in the box office? Okay. Because I'm really curious. I listen. I know you give yourself shit about like you don't. You're terrible at this, and you're never gonna get them. I genuinely <laughs> right. don't think you're gonna get these. Okay. Unless you're cheating. Um I'm not cheating. I, I have something on my screen. It's it's my final words. Oh, I, I actually kinda wanted to see if I could I could have it, but we'll see what yours is. And 
Oh, well, that's fine. No, no, uh, but I want to see what yours I want to hear what you had. So anyway, but let's start. Uh, we're going to do this just in the order. I have them on my screen to make it easy for me. So high, sure. high fidelity. Uh, I think the budget is probably... Not a lot's going on in that movie. It's a pretty... Not like it's not like an explosion type of thing. So I would probably put it in the low fifteen million. No, higher. Really? Yeah. All right. Uh, Twenty-five million. Higher. Forty million. Not that high. Thirty. Okay. Yeah. Box office. Oh, I'm sure that movie made money. Um, this is what year? Ni- uh, two thousand. Uh, release is yes. And I want to just tell you very quickly across the board. I'm not saying this one specifically. Not all of them did as well as you would think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was 30 million. I'm going to say box office was probably 122. Way too high. Really? Yeah. 97. Still way too high. What the fuck? Okay. 64. Nope. 47.1. Really? Yeah. I think I think a lot of these films that we're going to be talking about got their traction post theatrical. I really it's do. Like, it became it, it word of mouth didn't really help. I mean, look, it made its money back and it made some form of a profit, but it, it was not. I guess it came off a little bit like an art, artsy film. Maybe, yeah, but no, forty-seven point one. Wow, uh, almost famous. Uh, okay, the uh, the budget. 42 mil. No, uh, higher. 60 mil. Yes, right on. Okay. <laughs> hey, finally. Woo. And that, that's that's as far as I'll fucking go on being correct. Um, uh, box office, I'm I'm going to suspect that this movie did lower than I'm initially thinking, so I'm going to go with 80 mil. Nope, lower. Did it bomb? I don't know what you define as a bomb, so I can't it, answer it that. It didn't. It, it made less than its budget, so it made yes. less than sixty mil. Yes. Okay, so thirty-five mil. No higher. Forty-seven point four. Okay. Wow. Well, okay. So just like the other one, forty-seven mil. That's how much. It, well, is it? I mean, forty-seven for one. Right? It made it made six hundred thousand dollars more. Damn. Yeah. Okay. But wow. it, uh, yeah. almost famous as a fucking mom. Uh, based on the definition you're giving me, yes. Uh, it didn't make its money back. It lost its money. Boat the Rocked or or Pirate Radio. Pirate. And, and, and this is specifying U.S. Okay. So think of Pirate Radio. Don't, yeah, just so you know. I got, I got it. I got it. Um, I'm going to guess the budget is probably 60 mil. No, lower. 40 mil. Higher. Okay, 50. Yes. Okay, 50. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 50 mil, but I suspect this movie bombed like a motherfucker. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to say it probably made like 19 million or something. Higher. 25. Higher. Did it bomb? Yes, but not. Okay, your... all right, so 37. 36.6. Fuck you, that's 37. Yeah. Uh, That thing you do. Um. Okay. Even though I'm sure it got a lot of praise, I I would suspect this movie bombed. Uh, uh, based on the definition, you're telling me no. Okay, so the budget I'm going to guess is because it's semi indie, but they have like 
It's not like a lot of fucking famous people. So he probably. He didn't by the have way, a whole... the bulk of these are 20th century, by the way. Oh, well, three, yeah. three of the, I think three of the five are 20th century films. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the budget is 35 mil. No, lower. Okay. So the budget is 25 mil. Uh, close enough. 26. Okay. Um, uh, but I'm looking at something. That thing, I might be wrong. I might be two of them. I felt like more of them were. No, only one's 20th century. I could have sworn I heard two of them. Anyway, okay. What's your box office? 35 mil. <laughs> Close enough. 34.6. Okay. Wow. Okay. Rockstar. Now, I'll tell you the budget's listed as a range. So I'll let you, I'll, anything you get within the range, I'll give it to you. 50 to 60. No, lower. Okay, uh, 35 to 40. Well, uh, I'll give you the first one because it's 38 to 57. Okay. And you said 50 to 60. So okay. I was asking you to give me a specific number, and if whatever number you gave me was in the range, I would have given it to you. But Okay. Uh, uh, box office. I 18.3. You're really close. It's 19.3. Really? Oh, no shit. Uh, yeah. What the fuck is this? I'm always like off by like one or something. Yeah, you got pretty close on that. Yeah, yeah I, I suspected this movie bombed like a motherfucker. They all of them did not well. I mean, there's a couple that made their money back, but even the ones that did, didn't, they didn't like roll in the money, you know. But so. Rockstar for sure bombed pretty outrageous. Yeah, I think it's the hardest bomb of them, except maybe the boat that rocked. Yeah, that's a $14 million bomb. Yeah. Dude, 2001 it, was not a very great year for fucking Marky Mark. Well, that's the other thing, and I, I wanted to talk about in general very quickly is we were talking about all these music movies. They're all period pieces. There's nothing past 1985. True. Even even if you just think about music movies that are out there, unless you're talking about like step ups in those well, days. High fidelity. High fidelity is. But that, yeah, yes, but that's not. You're you're right, but t- from a from a. All the okay, so one out of five. Yeah, and if you well, look we, at all, the, we chose these movies. I mean, like we could have no, but but even then, than, like, even then, Empire Records is the only one I can think of that's modern day. True, modern day. Uh, I mean, that's also be around the same time as High Fidelity, mid nineties, late late nineties, yeah, right? 2000s. Right. Yeah. There's there's not much musically, you know, that, and even some of the ones we're going to be talking about are period pieces. The ones True. we got coming up, you know, True. so. Um, there, I mean, going to Richard Curtis for a second, like that movie he did yesterday about the fucking. I do want to see that. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but yeah. Which I noticed there was a strangely limited amount of no Beatles music whatsoever in Pirate Radio. None. Yeah. Well, they were they, they were aiming more towards the heavier end of rock for the most part. They were choosing all. They talk about the Beatles a lot. They did. Yeah, you're right. But that, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a. A copyright or royalties or something. Oh, probably. I bet you Michael still owned the rights back then. Could be. Because Michael... But then, Mike... look what Richard Curtis did. He made a whole fucking movie about nothing but the Beatles music. He's like, I'm going to fucking get my Beatles. Well, by that point, Michael Jackson had sold off the catalog because he had to sell the catalog off on the civil suits. And then so, died. Well, so. yes, and then died. But but he sold the catalog before, well before he died is what I'm sure. getting at. So, um, Okay, uh, I think we have Almost Famous left. No, we did that. For the oh, budget? Okay. Yeah, we did all of them. We're done. Okay, all of them. Yeah, you, 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 you did fairly well. 
I who, who fucking knew, man? I did fairly well for movies that didn't do fairly well at yeah, all. Yeah, not, none of them. I was really surprised when I pulled these up and looked at that because I, I would have expected, I would have expected at least, I would have expected at least Almost Famous to have done fairly well. Maybe not like Terminator kind of money, but like, you know what I mean? Like, no, but you know what I'm saying. Like, but sure. I, like, I would have expected to have a budget. Of, like, see, the budget on it again. I know we already talked about it, but the budget was 60. I would have expected it to make like 120, 200, you know, somewhere in that window, you know. I, um, I mean, a lot of these movies are just sort of like they're they're kind of indie movies about very specific things. Well, and, yeah, and what I tried to find, and I didn't have enough time to do it, and if you want to let me to do the research, I'll bring it to another episode, but is I suspect all of these, with maybe the exception of Rockstar, did very well in DVD sale, DVD, Blu-ray, VHS. VHS even, yeah, even VHS, yeah. yeah. I, I I would argue that all of these films, with maybe that exception, did very well post theatrical release. You know what I mean? Well, the other interesting thing is that the majority of the uh, you're probably right, but uh, the other interesting thing is that the majority of these movies, with the exception of like, I guess High Fidelity or Rockstar, three out of the five, they all have alternate or extended versions or director's True. cuts. True. Almost Famous, That Thing You Do, and Pirate Radio has a UK edition as well as a US edition. Right. And and but, but you do get apparently you get all the UK scenes on the extras in the you mm. so like there's not two versions. I know what you're saying, but there's not. It's it's different than the other two that you're referring to with Almost Famous and that thing you do. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. I listen. I this this is a fun start to what's going to be an interesting couple episodes and i'm mm-hmm. looking forward to to what's coming next the next the next one still frightens me a little bit i think we're grossly underqualified to discuss it but we'll get there um, i i think we'll be fine and and you you the audience can let us know hey you should have done that just don't don't ever do we have again. one one i won't say who yet but we have one one audience member in particular will very much tell us if we were wrong for doing this uh yeah. And 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 they would be right to do so if if when if and when it comes. So, all right, you want my final my final words and see if you can you can do them better. Sure. Remember, folks, it ain't simple being cool, but it's cool being simple. I don't even. Know. Simon says it from fucking pirate radio. So clearly, it was not very good. There's no better currency in this bankrupt world than what you share with someone when you're uncool i think we both can find better ones to be perfectly honest (laughs) cj here with some show information and a few thank yous after i'm done stay tuned for the damn it our very own post-credit scene listen to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify your smart speaker or anywhere else you find podcasts if you enjoy the show as much as we hope you do make sure to tell a friend where they can find us too If you want to agree with or yell at us, follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at RanceRico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. And like this show page, Podeskew Podcast, on Facebook. If you love music as much as I do, you should check out my alter ego, DJ Xanthus, on my radio show every Thursday from 9pm to midnight-ish and Saturday from 10 p.m. to midnight-ish Eastern Standard Time at www.radio-airwaves.co.uk. 
I tend to run past midnight, hence the ish. Oh, and DJ Xanthus is on Twitter at DJXANTHUS. Make sure to follow that for show updates. We want to thank logo designer and show friend Mike for his work on our awesome logo. You can contact him for artwork via email at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike80 at gmail.com. Check out tpublic.com slash if you want to display your love of the logo and potaskew. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for all original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons, all one word, and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you our next episode. Don't forget the damn it. What came first, the music or the misery? People worry about kids playing with guns or watching violent videos. Some sort of culture of violence will take them over. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? David! Thank you.